Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild. Tired of boring specials about history, science, and technology? Then get on your best headphones because you might want to lay down for this. A Sovereign Tech special with the world's foremost anarchist technophile, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge, well, you know. And now, here's Brian. Mm. That's right, the Golden Stallion here for you, the Stefano Demira of Liberty. You bet. Just back from, well, I've been back for a couple days, uh, but back from Toronto and New York City, and I am joined by my, actually, I was the travel partner for this beautiful, <laughs> stunning woman. Uh, oh, thank you, the, Brian. The lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy here, of course. Like uh, sands through the hourglass. Yeah. <laughs> so are the days of our lives. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's, that's well, you, pretty good. You're the one who said you were Stefano Demira, so I had to follow through with that. Someone had to call it. That that's that's for sure. Uh, maybe not everybody <laughs> knows who Stefano Demira is, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But what I do want to get into, he's a villain that's been around for 40 years on a TV show, on a soap opera. You let it all out. <laughs> well, that's the Cliff, <laughs> that's the Cliff's Notes version. <laughs> Well, the part you, you expect left, me to right. keep a secret for you. <laughs> <laughs> the part that you left out is that this guy like has died forty, t- like thirty, forty times in the decades that he's been on this show, and he yeah. just keeps coming back. He's like and a I, and vampire I, or something. He, yeah, I tell you, and and he's just—it's amazing because he always comes back and he's always cool. And anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't died a bunch of times. I was about to ask if you were undead. <laughs> no, not not undead. But I'm I'm sure there's there's plenty of people that that wouldn't mind if I uh, wasn't walking the earth. So they're just jealous. Maybe. Anyway, <laughs> that may be it. Um, anyway, so Stephanie, we we really had a, a tour de force of. Um, of Bitcoin conferences, we had the oh Inside Bitcoin conference all in one, all in the stretch of one week. We had yeah. the Inside Bitcoin conference, and then right after that, you know, a day later, we went up to Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that, eleventh to the thirteenth? But we were there for longer than that. Yeah, we stayed um, a little later. Yeah, for the the Bitcoin Expo. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I was a little kid, um, do you remember the Berenstain Bears? Speaking of things from the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do remember the Berenstain Bears. (laughs) Okay, so for anyone who is not familiar with them, I think they're actually still around because I remember seeing when I was doing pork therapy, I remember seeing people buying Berenstain Bear books through my pork therapy Amazon link. So (laughs) they're still kicking around. Talk about undead. Amazon link, by the way. Check it out. Left side, SovereignTech.com. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Well... (laughs) So, um, there used to be, the Berenstein Bears are like this family of bears, and then they, you know, stuff happens to them, and they learn little lessons about life and so forth. It's kind of cute. Um, but there was this book in the series of the Berenstein Bears, and it was called The Berenstein Bears and Too Much Birthday. <laughs> And it was about the little girl there and she like, you know, she had this birthday party, but like nothing was going right. And like, 
it was just like a stressful experience for her. I think I think that's the plot. Like she, sure, it's supposed to be like a fun day because it's her birthday, right? But she ends up just getting like stressed out because nothing really goes right, and she has to like everyone else has a good time except her, and so she's like, it's too much birthday. That's what I kept thinking about <laughs> last week. Was it's just it's too much Bitcoin? It's too much conferences. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody yeah, make a children's book about it. <laughs> I mean, we've been to quite a few, um, and of course, you know, after each one, we've done a wrap-up show for mm-hmm. on Sovereign Tech. Yeah, we've been pretty um, pretty consistent about. Yeah, that, I mean, right? we went to Vegas. Of course, that episode is notorious. We went to um, <laughs> well, funny um, because. <laughs> So the Vegas episode, which you've probably heard if you listen to the show, it's called Inside Bitcoin Sucked or something like that. Yeah. And Inside Bitcoins isn't just an event that happens in Vegas. It's it's multiple events. They're having like one a month in different cities around the world. And right. it's by this company, Media Bistro. And the reasons we were complaining about it was because it really didn't fit within our libertarian worldview very much and they were and it was also kind of just like oh here's a bunch of people who have something to do with bitcoin let's put them all together and like it didn't really have like a unifying theme or anything like that and you know just the choices weren't really that well thought out i guess um maybe they were going for a range of different viewpoints but anyway we it wasn't really our cup of tea but anyway (laughs) so the same people who put on this vegas event that we bitched about on our podcast uh-huh. put on the new york conference that we just went to last right. week and the guy the main guy who runs it <laughs> came up came up to us and said hi to me and i think he knew i think he knew who i was because i had spoken a couple times and he probably listens to let's talk bitcoin sure. um i had spoken at previous conferences but then he said hi to you and we were both like talking about it afterwards and we were like how does he know who you are maybe he heard our show. Yeah, that would be like the only way he would know who you are <laughs> yeah that's the thing like i mean when we went to toronto and toronto was great by the way uh but we'll go into more depth with that um but in New York, yeah, like like in Toronto, I, you know, a libertarian crowd, I expect them to know who I am. Yeah. Okay. But in a in a suits and Bitcoin kind of crowd, maybe I'm not so well known. Though a lot of people knew us from our show, Sex and Science Hour, that's on the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. But yeah, for this guy to know my name, you know, and he literally like came out and said, yeah, I know who you are. And I just... I was like, uh, maybe he heard about that show because the well, show was pretty popular. It got spread around. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and he was very friendly, of course. But yeah, but, you know, I mean, OK, I think there's something to be said when a podcaster complains about your thing. There's no such thing as bad press. Oh, it's I getting agree. press. We're giving him promotion and any other event that we bitch about that we don't like or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least we're talking about it. It's getting out there. And some people are going to hear it and disagree with us and say, well, I would love to go to a Bitcoin conference that's about regulation. And they'll go, <laughs> you know, like, so we're we're doing them a favor, even if we didn't like, even if it wasn't exactly our favorite um you know yeah. exactly how we would have wanted it you know yeah and and the inside uh bitcoins conference we went to in new york uh this year because we went to the one last year too but we're talking about 2014 here right um you know really like made safe was there and i got to got to meet face to face david Irvin. yeah uh who he um he, he, we did a special a, of sovereign tech yeah uh, a great special that uh that boy talk about something that's popular and viral that that special really went the and it deserved it because made is one of the singular most exciting things happening in the world 
not just of technology, but in the world in general today. Right. Uh, so I got to meet him face to face, which is fantastic. He got a lot of press. I know you did an interview with him for Let's Talk Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but he got a ton of press. Wall Street Journal. He got to give a good talk. You know, the whole the whole business. And I was more than happy for that to to be. Like, if there was reason to justify the existence of the Inside Bitcoins conference, that was it singularly. Um, I was very, very pleased about that. I was about that, too. And as long as we're talking about things we liked about that conference in New York, um, they rented out the Javits Convention Center, which, okay, this place (laughs) is named after some shitty politician who stole a bunch of money from people and was racist. Yeah, he was absolute racist. Super racist. And he used it to build this convention center. Um, at the taxpayer's expense and then yeah. erected a big statue of himself, you know, like he's this benevolent guy who did sure. this great thing for the city. Um, so already it's like, oh, okay, well, if, say what you want about the building, but um, they have a lot of exposure. You know, they're at a pretty primo location, I think, in yeah, Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, this is the same place where the, you know, the International Auto Show occurs, this is where New York Comic Con is. I mean, all the big events. Yeah, it was large. Um, of course, the Bitcoin convention didn't fill up the whole thing, but it definitely took over kind of a wing of the place. Sure. And that was cool. But the thing that I liked most about that was that there was a sign in front of the Javits Center that was, like, displaying what conferences were oh, going to yeah. be there. huge LED billboard. Yeah, and every few minutes it was saying Bitcoin in front of all the traffic that was passing by it. Yeah, on Eleventh Ave in Manhattan, I'll take that. Okay. Yeah, that's great advertising. That's like <laughs> I, Roger. I that's like Roger Ver's uh, billboard about yeah. we accept Bitcoins that he's been well, he's been doing it for years. But yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I was really happy to see you know Bitcoin kind of getting promoted like that. They had a huge banner in the Javits Center that was like you know the size of a house, like the front of a house, you know, yep. basically. Um, that said inside bitcoins and so they were really getting bitcoin out there there were you know i didn't see maybe i just didn't see them but i didn't see as many um major tv at the conference as i did the last year actually like i remember in 2013 we went to new york yeah, inside cbs bitcoins. was there right yeah there was cbs there was cnn there was pbs there was all, all kinds of TV, major tv outlets right. interviewing people um i think i actually got interviewed by some one of them cbs i want to say yeah, CBS. i don't know if it ever aired but um yeah pbs was <laughs> there, there yeah there was quite a few last year i agree there, but i didn't see them this no. year i mean there were definitely journalists there yeah for lots sure. of journalists yeah and, and i mean it is certainly possible that we just didn't see them or they were doing interviews elsewhere or in the press room or whatever mm-hmm. i mean but i saw you know i saw big big name publications like there was forbes there was uh, oh, who else? You were saying yeah, Wall Street Journal Wall Street was Journal. there, TechCrunch. I mean, and of uh, course, you know, like American Banker, Mark Hochstein. We love him. I yeah, mean, he's, he's amazing. He moderated the panel I was Great on. Guy. He's awesome. Um, but anyway, so there were like newspapers there, and there were print periodicals, but I just didn't see as many TV crews. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, maybe like, maybe they think people know about Bitcoin already. Yeah, maybe they think it's semi passe, or maybe they don't they don't want to put their foot in their mouths anymore uh, because that's been going on for a while bitcoin's mm-hmm. dead oh wait a minute how come there's this huge event in the middle of new york where there's tons of vcs you know just looking to spend millions of dollars blah 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 yeah i don't know yeah uh, it was interesting though because i remember the last year's event the price was around 130 35 mm-hmm. you know it was like around a hundred dollars per bitcoin 
at that time, and yeah. people were excited about it. Yeah. Um, and then later, after that, it went up to a thousand, and then at the time of this recent conference, it was around four fifty. It was like below five hundred, not doing too well. Um, yeah, I was kissing below four last week, but that was still more than the previous year. So sure. I don't. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's not dead. It's just not at the what people want it to be, you know. Right. Well, as an aside, it's really funny because, okay, when Bitcoin went up to like $1,200 back in January or December, whenever it was, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people were saying, well, it's too expensive now, but I'll buy in when it goes lower. I'm just waiting for the price to come down. Yeah. And now the price comes down and people were like, oh my God, Bitcoin's dead. Yeah, you better like, sell. Which is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is it, right? So they're kind of schizophrenic with that. Yeah. And, and you know, that gets annoying too, because, uh, you know, I'm an ad exec uh, and like I, I love to deal with Bitcoin companies because I like Bitcoin to get spread. And of course, with like Free Talk Live that I'm an ad exec for, we've yeah, got- Yeah, it's the, a perfect fit. Yeah. They've I mean, been talking we have, about Bitcoin forever. Right. And we have the largest Bitcoin audience in the world. And none of these guys want to like hash out, you know, when Bitcoin's low- they don't want to advertise for Bitcoin when really that's the perfect time to be advertising Bitcoin <laughs> yeah. because it's a time when everybody can, like you said, get into it, you know, or feel like, I mean, yeah. you can get into it with a buck. You don't have to get, you know, you don't have to buy one Bitcoin, you know? Oh, and tell me but, you don't have some Bitcoins left. If you listen to Free Talk Live and you're starting a Bitcoin company, tell me you don't have some Bitcoins left over that you paid $5 for, really? <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, most people do, I think, you know. Yeah. So, or at least that you paid less than you're going to get the value from. You know what I mean? At least sure. that you paid less for than when you're spending them. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, th- that that's a side note. Um, right. But the, the, you know, the companies that were there, speaking of companies, the companies that were there, quite a few of them, I, I really, I thought like Airbits, I thought was pretty good. They were in Toronto too, but but they were in, yeah. in, in, in New York City. Uh, I thought they had a really unique thing going on where it was very easy of use it was a wallet with a directory with a business mm. directory built into it which i yeah. thought was clever um and they, they they're gonna they claim to be making an apple wallet and it's actually done but how they're gonna get that past apple i have no idea maybe they're gonna pull off a trick like fiva yeah uh, did which those guys those guys boy i tell you fiva wallet oh they were at both conferences they were both conferences these guys are like family you know <laughs> leif and lamar <laughs> i love them i and, was happy to see them yeah like the minute we walked into the <laughs> the uh, inside bitcoins conference yeah. the javits center javits center we walk in and we see them and like okay no we didn't see them first i excuse me we walk in and we see a large group of white gentlemen sitting at coffee tables mm-hmm. talking and we say oh we're at the right place yeah yeah <laughs> this, All looks suits like, everywhere. this looks yeah. like a bitcoin conference <laughs> then we see lamar sitting over there and he's waving to us so we go and talk to him and and what did he say he's like yeah i, I said yeah you know this 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 is probably going to be not as much fun as the texas conference because yeah. that was the last time we saw them yeah and he goes yeah i know what you mean i think it's kind of stuffy that's what i call yeah it, yeah well it's funny because he says just like you know, or leif came over and he says oh phew, normal people <laughs> you know when, when, when he saw us standing yeah. there <laughs> so funny right um so but they were there which of course you know i want them to get as much exposure and attention as they can because i really think they're doing their business models great and their product is very clever and deserves uh deserves a lot of attention yeah very innovative and i mean it's from what we heard from them they are getting a really good response to what they're doing yeah which like is great we're getting a lot of signups and people joining just from promoting it at a few bitcoin conferences right right which is fantastic so and there are some other good companies there ant miner uh i thought looked looked like interesting well you guys. know what I've, i was okay this is a great thing about this new york conference 
I was super excited to find out about this one project. And I think actually it was probably like the highlight of the whole conference for me. And it's called Film Annex. And they have this they have this branch called Women's Annex. I don't know if it I mean, it's definitely like they're affiliated together. Um, sure. But what what it is, is basically like a platform, a blogging platform where people can um, post videos and make write blog posts and then promote them through social media channels. And but they actually pay their bloggers. So based on their basically reach and, you know, how how many people, how many hits it gets and how many people read it and so forth. Um and video views, probably they have some algorithm that calculates it. But based on the reach of the post, the blogger who posted it and promoted it gets paid and they get paid in Bitcoin. But the unique thing about this is that the Women's Annex project was actually founded by these two women from Afghanistan. And they uh, it was um, Farshta and Roya. And they like they thought of this idea and they recruited a bunch of women who live in Afghanistan to do blogging for this platform. And then they get paid in Bitcoin. And for some a woman who lives in Afghanistan, it's like they were saying, you can't really keep your own money. Like if you're no. a young woman who lives in Afghanistan, your family is going to take it. If you have any cash. Yeah, no, it, I could totally see Bitcoin being like the only thing you could keep your hands on. Yeah, I don't doubt that. And yeah. and then, you know, if you want, if you want extra money, you don't have to go pick it up somewhere, like picking up cash at some Western Union transfer station or something like that. Right. And actually, like remittances, you can't even really send PayPal to Afghanistan. You can't send pay- PayPal to Afghanistan from no. the U.S. And Western Union, there's huge fees, and then somebody would have to f- pick it up, and the cash is just going to get taken anyway. So what's the point? But with Bitcoin, it like you said, it's the only thing they could really keep their hands on if they're living with some oppressive family who would take their money if they earned any. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm glad people like that got some highlight. Like I said, I mean, there's there are some good booths there, you know, with, with some good people. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, that um, that was the coolest. That was the most exciting project that I found out about for the first time. Yeah. At that conference. Yeah. Um, also, we saw Armory. Um, Armory was there. They debuted their multi-signature um, function that with beta test, they, mm-hmm. it yeah, was in their, beta. Their yeah. wallet can do multi-sig, which for those that don't know, multi-sig is essentially for you to be, get access to your Bitcoins. You can't just like use your wallet. You're going to have to access like multiple, um, you know, points of, uh, yeah, it allows you to perform escrow, uh, transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? or it allows you to set, um, parameters in a transaction so that, for instance, a majority of a certain number of people have to sign off on the transaction before it gets sent. Exactly. So what that does is opens up the potential for escrow, like we said, and also um, to prevent against theft, because some people, you know, when <laughs> most of the time what people are used to is you have your private key and that's the only thing that's needed to move bitcoins and so if somebody gets their hands on your private key however through hacking or through malware or through physical control of a device like your phone if you have it unencrypted or whatever um, they can get your bitcoins and there's nothing you can do about it because it's irreversible once they're sent Um, so with multi-signature transactions that could be a sort of stop gap against theft right and that's really exciting because there have been a lot of thefts yeah, absolutely. So that that was cool that that got announced there. Um, and of course, uh, you know, again, another announcement was made safe saying that they were going to start uh, a lot of their stuff on April 25th, I believe. So that's that's coming up. Yeah. Um, 
wow, yeah, that's like in a couple days. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Which I didn't know they were working with Mastercoin, which is interesting. And I, I'm going to be talking to some guys from Mastercoin here uh, pretty soon. Maybe I might even have somebody on the show. Oh yeah. So, so what made safe? What it is for anybody who's not familiar? I'll try. To, I mean, you can listen to Brian's interview with um, sure. David Irvine, but who, who, just nicest guy, by the way. I know we said that already, but he's so cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> MadeSafe is basically like encrypt, like decentralizing and encrypting all computing. It's like a platform where you could basically log into any device with a couple of passwords. Your all your data from like your virtual computer is stored on other people's computers in bits and pieces, and it's encrypted. And it's only accessible by a location that you um, only you know, and that's encoded by your password. So right. essentially, you could access a whole. Um, encrypted decentralized computer with all kinds of apps and programs cloud that storage. You, you can run on top of that. Yeah. And that's the thing is the cloud storage. This is one of like the key points about MateSafe is that the cloud storage itself is literally stored in bits and pieces everywhere. Like if someone takes yeah. your computer, they don't have access to the complete amount of data that you put into MadeSafe's network. Exactly. Uh, and that that's really key is that it's only bits and pieces. So this is true decentralization, probably of, of from computing. the very first time. Yeah I, yeah, I think it is. Absolutely. And so to incentivize people to participate and to store bits and pieces of other people's encrypted virtual computers, mm-hmm. um, they have a coin built into MasterCoin. There's yeah, like, called SafeCoin. It's called SafeCoin. Yeah. And that is through MasterCoin, right? Right. MasterCoin is essentially helping them, you know, put get that out there right so uh you know that 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 was great and so that you know it's kind of a mixed bag because the problem was though is that in the hallways and for most of the talks and you were on a panel there too uh it <laughs> we'll was just that yeah. <laughs> yeah it was just more of the regulation regulation and the worst part about it for me i didn't really talk to those people but yeah it kind of like ostracized me from half of the conference oh yeah no no but i mean you could just like stand there and just listen uh uh, and and you could really hear it and uh and it was the 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 kind of the key phrase coming out of it and a lot of people were tweeting this okay um was that look regulations coming regulations inevitable and all this stuff. And boy, did that get frustrating to me. Now, I mean, we've complained about this a lot of time. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe I'm beating a dead horse here or whatever. But um, I, I... Yeah, I don't really agree with that statement. Well, like, it's it's inevitable if you make it that way. Like, the, people give government so much power in their minds. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the real thing. Like, if you believe that regulation is inevitable, yeah, it will be. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think I'll say this. I think that may be an accurate statement. That doesn't mean people are going to pay attention to it. Well, yeah, it's just like every other industry that's regulated. There are some rules that everybody is supposed to follow and the people who are important don't follow those (laughs) rules. right? Right. And so, you know, my response to everybody at that conference was the same. And I tweeted it to whatever for whatever good that does, Uh, you know, it was just that okay fine regulations inevitable guess what the fall of the u.s government's inevitable too like literally inevitable it's just it's gonna happen what will they do then they'll probably feel so uncomfortable like oh my god our regulations yeah. are gone it's anarchy <laughs> it's the wild west yeah to children <laughs> yeah. yeah there it is the, the cry for the children yeah so um, won't somebody please think of the children yeah. and think of the bankers who are gonna <laughs> get really yeah. profit off of all these regulations exactly. because they keep out their competition and they ensure that only the biggest uh, you know biggest boys on the block can actually comply with them right so so the 
overall attitude there, despite any good things, and then we've we've talked about quite a few good things that were there. Certainly more than what was at uh, New York last year, yeah, or in Vegas for that matter. Um, you know, the overall attitude just sucked. You know, I mean, you could really <laughs> feel that it. it just, I, you know, and I, I, I'm almost, I almost hate using this word anymore but uh like it just it was also statist you know it, it really was yeah statist is an appropriate word yeah even though there was a shocking amount of liberty people showing well, up i mean ernie hancock was there he's yeah. always a good time that's uh, what i was about to say it felt like there were two different conferences going on it felt yeah. very divided like there was definitely like you had the keynote speech that opened up the whole conference which we didn't see because we got in at 2 a.m the night before and i just couldn't wake up at eight i had to like sleep for another hour so i missed this one talk but it was reported on the next day and apparently this guy jeremy allaire from circle mm-hmm. who's you know they claim they're going to be this big mainstream bitcoin company that makes it like integrates it with the bankings he was saying bitcoin is is going to be part of the global banking order and he said some really weird yeah, stuff yeah he like said that. it should be he now, should, yeah now, circles a competitor to coinbase uh there's someone i wanted to talk to but now uh, frankly I'm glad I never did, you know, till till after this because I don't yeah. want I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah, if I don't think I can me, really, in good conscience, support no, that. No, <laughs> if you want to be working with the the world bankers, you know, like or saying that hey, this is how it has to be. It's one thing if if someone gets in touch with you from. Uh, you know, whoever, uh, Goldman Sachs or you name it, and says, hey, you know, we're interested in working with you. It's another thing when you are perfectly desirous of wanting, you know, to to deal with Jesus. And I don't want to say the devil because the devil's a good guy, right? Um, but <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know, it, it's it it's a problem. And- well, even Coinbase, okay, like they comply with all these regulations, right? They follow all the banking regulations and they're, they're a totally compliant company. They do KYC and AML and all that shit. Yeah. Well, you know, they don't come out. Okay. They do comply with all these regulations, but they don't come out and say like, this is great. Right. You know, like we should, you know, let's bring Bitcoin into the global banking order and all right. this. What else did he say? It was there were some just scary comments that I think I've kind of blocked out now, but like yeah. I you know, he and and then he also basically said in another place like, yeah, the libertarians kind of like served their purpose, you know, we don't need them anymore. Move yeah. aside, step aside, you're you're we're done with you. <laughs> Go away. Yeah, a lot of people are really uh, starting to make those kind of comments. Um, I heard at Coin Summit, which we didn't go to, and boy, thank whoever that we didn't. But <laughs> I wasn't allowed to go to that. Oh, I, right, I applied you're a to woman. Yeah, I applied. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's because I'm a woman. Because there were other women there, but I, for spoke? whatever reason, um, yeah, I think there were a few female speakers, but oh. probably the the vast minority, I would guess, yeah. were female. But um, I'm not going to say it's because of sexism. I think it's because I was discriminated against because I'm too libertarian, or, oh, uh, yeah, or yeah, I don't yeah, sure. have. Perhaps it's because I don't have a Bitcoin project that's like you know uh, raising a bunch of venture capital or right. is very interesting to people who are doing co- you know shopping and yeah. that, all that kind of stuff. I I, I just don't and. It, maybe that's why I wasn't allowed to go. <laughs> well, I mean, apparently at at Coin Summit, uh, you had to apply to get in. Yeah, like, but I mean, but people came out and said that, uh, yeah, you know, you know, libertarians are done. Uh, big money's here. Too bad. You know, move move along. Uh, it's ours now. So, and I I have some theories on why a lot of these guys are making these comments. And uh, actually, this episode will be released before the actual, uh, you know 
uh, regular episode of Sovereign Tech this weekend, episode 70, uh, and I'm going to be talking about why I think that isn't that. So I'm not going to go into that right now. Mm. Um, but speaking of, uh, you know, like like projects, Bitcoin projects, uh, I'm a little concerned about one, and I'm going to be, you know, they're, they're sometimes, you know, in, in the tech world, okay, there's times where I hear things, you know, I, I you, same with you, Stephanie, you, you, you probably have a bigger inside track than I do on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some things that I hear on an inside track that, no, I'm not going to announce until the time, you know, like that there's a time for it to happen. Okay. And one thing though, that I don't feel any reason to not talk about, and that I feel like I have somewhat of an inside track on is uh, I am very concerned. And I did a special about this and the special was great. And the technology is sound, but the organization may not be. And this is bit shares. Um, I'm very, very concerned over, I don't know this, you know, there was a conversation had where they were talking about how, okay, you know, they came out with this great new website explaining what BitShares is. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think it's fantastic. BitShares.org, go check it out. It's, it's really exciting to look at. But then they started talking about, uh, people at BitShares started saying essentially that, you know, they're, they're changing the focus of, you know, of BitShares where they want it to be an educational site for all these Bitcoin 2.0 technologies and all these crypto platforms. And I get it, but to me, that sounds very much like, okay, and please, I'm being, I love the idea of BitShares. I am, in fact, Dan Larimer, the head of BitShares has come right out and said, you know, I want to end governments. I am so supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I did not get a good feeling about the future of BitShares at, you know, at, at inside Bitcoins. Mm. Um, I felt I was hearing something that, that was a, a product that was shifting. That was, you know, that was on shifting sands. Yeah. And I'm very, very concerned about that. So I'm just being totally open with my listeners. This could turn around and I could be dead wrong. Mm-hmm. But I often find I'm not wrong when it comes to trends. I often find I'm actually really ahead of the game. I'm not boasting. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, okay. And uh, and I'm I'm very very concerned about bit shares. And so I just I want to let I want to get that out there. Uh, that you know I don't know if if I'm not necessarily saying to get your money out of it. I'm just saying to to keep your eyes open. Yeah. Because it is such it's an exciting, a friendly type of concern. Yeah. That, you know, that's what it is. Because like that was. That was something I know you were really excited about, but to hear the focus changing so much is a little bit troublesome sometimes, Yeah, to, right? to hear really a lack of focus, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what that's what I'm hearing. Uh, I mean, admittedly, in my opinion, when you want to start highlighting your competitors on your site, and that's that's what essentially what was being said, is that, well, we're going to have, you know, we're going to talk about BitShares, we're going to talk about Ethereum, we're going to talk about MasterCoin, we're going to talk about all these. When you want to highlight your your competitors, which they are, Okay, whether or not you can all fit in the same space or not is regardless. When you want to highlight your competitors, th- that's not how you do business. Okay, mm-hmm. like I mean, and I and I don't care how far ahead you're thinking of the, you know, as far as like, okay, no, we're going to do things differently now. This is not the way to do it. Okay, if you, especially in the tech world, you know, if you've got a product that's this good and it is that good, you play the Nintendo card, where you pretend Sony and Microsoft don't exist. And you just do whatever the hell you're doing and you keep going and you go full steam mm-hmm. and you don't listen to anybody. But that's not what I'm getting. I'm getting the exact opposite business model. And I think it's a, I think it's a bad business model. Okay. Uh, do you think that, 
just play devil's advocate here. Please. Um, I, I think it's probably so mind-bogglingly hard to run a company like that or sure. to, to, to do something like that because what these things are are organizations that eventually have the goal of being self-managing, you know, so that the people don't even have to be there. They're just decentralized, autonomous organizations. They run themselves and they're decentralized, but they're not there yet. We're in this weird, like in between phase where they're, they're trying to get to that point, but they're not, and they have to be developed and they have to sort of come out and they have to be, they need a little bit of like shepherding to get to that point. But like, how do you even do that? It's so confusing. And there's so many, like, I would be really worried that there would be a lot of people who would feel that this is going to be a really disruptive technology. They're going to try to um, stop them. You know, they're going to try to bring legal pressure upon them of all different kinds, you know, like get out of the country before you start saying shares, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, and they had planned on that, on mm-hmm. leaving the country, moving the business away. That's right. not hidden knowledge. But uh, that's got to be scary. I mean, yeah, Brian Page said that when we talked to him yeah. before, but but that's got to be really scary to like be in an organization like that. Sure, absolutely. It's scary, you know, and, and I, I and, get that. And hard, and hard yeah, to do. Right? I get that. But, you know, I really feel like they're trying to, because Ethereum's getting a lot of press, uh, MasterCoin, you know, is, is doing pretty well for itself in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like BitShares, something's going on in that organization to where they're trying to ride the coattails of the excitement around Ethereum and MasterCoin and whoever else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just, I worry about that because when you're, when I, I know it's hard, I like, I, you know, I, I, I think that's a great point for you to bring up. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just it's something about it doesn't feel right yep. at, at all. And my other concern is this, and I think you raise a valid point, is that BitShares may be getting the hardest time from VCs and whoever else, because Dan Larimer is the only guy that has the guts yeah. to say, no, I am going to end governments. I, you know, I'm going to free this economy. Yeah. He really is. You know, I, and he's I, calling it what it is, which is oh, yeah. shares. I yeah. mean, like it's it's funny how people are so like every every other company shut really shies away from that word. Yeah, you yeah, know? no, and, and they all have slightly different branding, and they actually do all do something that's com- pretty significantly different. They're but, unique, sure, from each other. Yeah, although they are sort of like the same platform technology. Yeah, platform technologies, right? Like if you know, if it, if this were biology, we'd say maybe they're in the same like order or something or the same sure. phylum or something sure. but they're not like the same species i'm gonna, different genus yeah right, right. uh like they're all cats just one is a leopard and one is a sure okay never mind no no, no more of that but anyway <laughs> yeah they do 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 stuff that's um different but yeah i mean like so many people are coming out with these technology like you know there's a lot of talk now about Decent, uh, I'm sorry, about user-created assets like Adam B. Levine, my co-host on Let's Talk Bitcoin, is kind of obsessed with these right now, which is basically the idea that like, you know, the companies are going to have IPO coins. And so like instead of issuing stock, they're doing they're issuing coins that represent some ownership in the company right. or, or tokens that represent ownership in the company or tokens that represent um, debt, like, like right. a bond thing or which bit shares could do. Yeah. Or tokens that represent um you know, like a claim on future rewards, like like a Kickstarter thing, you know, some kind of like perks or, you know, all these different, everybody could have their own coin and each coin could just be tokens that do something different. Uh, where And where was I going with that? But, but oh yeah, 
So a lot of them are very much like they are shares. It's an IPO. It's a yeah. stock. Like there's not, we don't really have other vocabulary to describe that. Right. But they can't use the vocabulary of stocks because. Well, then the SEC goes after it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's. It's amazing the thought crime that this creates. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, well, oh, no, you can't think of it that as what it is, you know, right. <laughs> which is a stock. Uh, you can't think of it like that. You have to think of it in some different way. Like, yeah. it's really this mental form of censorship. It's very weird. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm just putting that out there. Look, Dan Larimer is a genius guy. He's got the right attitude. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I love him. Brian Page, great marketer. That whole team there is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm just worried something's, you know, again, something's not not exactly right. In fact, we announced on this, on Sovereign Tech, on the special, that uh, there'd be an event at the end of July called Beyond Bitcoin that's been postponed, postponed yeah. pretty much indefinitely, it almost sounds like now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just putting out fair warning there. That's yeah. that's all I'm doing. Right. Um, and before I want, I want to, you know, hear a little bit about, I want to hear about your panel that you did at Inside Bitcoins, then we can start talking about Toronto. Mm. But before I do that, while we're talking about, uh, you know, blockchain technologies and platform technologies, uh, crypto platform technologies out there, uh, I was very disappointed that NXT Next was not represented at all. Uh, yeah, I didn't really at, see anyone at either, either of those conferences. Yeah. The only people... And and I didn't get the chance because I wasn't speaking in New York. Um, the only people that talked about next was I heard Adam B. Levine mention it during his fireside chat. Yep. And I talked about it every chance I could in Toronto mm-hmm. to anybody that would listen. I talked about next. I was very very disappointed. These were too high profile to be in New York City. Yeah. You know, and then Toronto to have, you know, this huge, I mean, the the stuff that the community in Canada is doing is absolutely amazing. The Bitcoin community, the cryptocurrency community uh, to not be there. Ooh, I th- I thought that was I I felt bad, you know that, yeah. that that they weren't. I and maybe they had other things to do. I mean, the the next community isn't stopping. They 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 keep coming out with their their great one minute podcasts that I love. Right. Uh, they they do hangouts where ties in and whoever else talks about stuff. It's not like they're not out there, but they should have been getting represented at these things, and and, mm. and they should have been trying to create some degree of buzz. They were in Texas. Yeah, they definitely um, were in Texas. I just wonder, you know, maybe it's like a decentralized marketing thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, just nobody picked up that ball and ran with it. Yeah, somebody should have, though. But I mean, yeah, I, I did, I did my best. Yeah. I did my best. And, and a lot of people, when I mentioned Next, they got excited. You know, like, they're like, what do you mean that this can already do everything that all these, uh, you know, other Bitcoin 2.0 yeah, technologies can do? they don't that enough. Like, they don't. That's... I mean, I think like people say, oh, well, the functions in Next are kind of minimal. Well, so what? They're going to be minimal in Ethereum, too. They're going to yeah, be yeah, at yeah. first, you know, yeah. they're going to be minimal yeah. in everything else. People got to use it. At least they have a product with Next. Yeah, exactly. At least they have a working thing that yeah. you can actually use now. Yeah. I mean, it's ready to go. You know, this this thing's tailor made and, and you can donate Next to the show. That's how much. It, and it goes right onto my Android phone. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how cool. ahead of the game they are. So we should say for the listeners who aren't aware of this um bc next the creator of next yeah recently came out and said like that he or she was going to like walk away from next right. or something like that that they were done associating with it and their next project would be uh under their real name yeah or and it would public. be something bigger and pretty much 
BC next, you know, unsaid to the community. Yeah. Next is up to the community. Yeah. So what happens next is up to the next community. Uh, <laughs> okay. And it's I mean, nice. I heard yeah, they're going to be, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I keep an eye on next cause I'm very, very interested in it. It's mm-hmm. one of the, one of the, the cryptocurrencies I'll use that for lack of a better phrase, uh, that, that excites me. There's very few that do, but this is one of them that does. Um, and I, I guess they're going to be at a Star Trek convention. They've got like a booth that's going to be there, <laughs> which I mean, that makes sense. Because, that's cool. Yeah, I think that nothing wrong with that. But I just I really think they missed out on a on a real golden opportunity with with a couple of these. Yeah. Um, well, oh, God, there are so many goddamn Bitcoin conferences now. That's I mean, true. So you and I or just me have been going to like at least one a month for the last year, I would say. Yeah. Or conferences that are very similar to Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, Liberty but, Forum might as well yeah, be a that Bitcoin counts. conference. That <laughs> it used to be the biggest one. Yeah, or like the Passport to Freedom thing that I went to, and right. I spoke about Bitcoin, even though it was about like getting out of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, uh, and getting your assets offshore. But anyway, um, so uh, we've been going to like one uh, at least one a month for the past year, and it's just getting hard to keep up with them. I think like. We'll talk about Toronto in a minute, but I think like with the Toronto conference, you know, Anthony, who organized it and sponsored it was like, geez, I didn't know that there were going to be a million other Bitcoin conferences leading up to this when I started planning for it. And it kind of stole my thunder a little bit. Yeah, because it, it, there were just so many that people start to only go to like maybe the ones that are geographically close to them or the ones that are, you know, it. it that align with their specific interests, right? Yeah, I mean, Anthony DiOrio, a guy that I absolutely love. I mean, I just love the guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, just just hardest working guy in Bitcoin. He's been a guest on Sovereign Tech in the past, very graciously, because uh, he is a busy, busy man. And, um, yeah, I mean, and, and another person, uh, Jason King, that that we got to talk with mm-hmm. uh in toronto anyway he he said the same thing he's like you know because he's got he has a, a bitcoin conference that we yeah, will be going to bitcoin D- in the beltway Yeah, bitcoin in the beltway this is in washington dc mm-hmm. very exciting um right he pork fresh yeah right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but but he said the same thing he's like you know when i set up for for bitcoin in the beltway there was only going to be two other bitcoin events conferences, that, bitcoin conferences that he knew of yeah you know, he set this up months ago and then suddenly, I mean, and I think everybody thought the same thing. Hey, there's yeah. only a couple Bitcoin conferences. We need to do one because yep. there's only two. We've got a whole year we got to cover. Exactly. And then everybody thought the same thing. And now there's like 30, mm-hmm. you know, of, of these things. Uh, and, um, you know, <laughs> I, I it's crazy. It, it wears people down. And when we were in Toronto, we weren't the only ones saying it. And it's not that Toronto was a bad conference. It yeah. was probably, in my opinion, maybe the best of the year. Yeah. Okay. Hands down. Um, and I don't think anything else is really going to match it because there aren't any, many other community-based, uh, you know, conferences coming up. All mm. the rest of them are all this media bistro suits bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Well, Bitcoin um, in the Beltway will be. Yeah, more Bitcoin community. in the Beltway is going to be great. Uh, you know, you know, th- and no of doubt course Porkfest, but that's not a Bitcoin conference. Not not directly. So, y- you know, th- I think everybody had the same feeling that wow, oh, we, we are conferenced do. out. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's that's what we were feeling, but everybody was feeling that. Even VCs, you name it, they were all saying the, the, these conferences are just getting too much. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, exactly. And again, I was like reevaluating my whole life after we got back. Yeah, seriously. Like, like you literally were. <laughs> I was. I was. It was like because they just take so much time. And, 
you know, I'm not complaining. Like it's it's fun to go to these conferences and stuff, and it's really fun to meet people. I love that aspect of it, and sure. it's fun to like know about what's going on in Bitcoin and see all these different projects and people taking shape. That I'm not complaining about at all, but just like it's stressful to go to a place that's not your home. Like I'm kind of a homebody. I like to just yeah. relax and be at home and have like a predictable source of like food that I know is going to be good for me. And like, you know, try not to spend that much money. Like I think I probably gained like five pounds and spent thousands of dollars <laughs> extra than I wanted to spend oh, on yeah. these trips <laughs> just in the past month. So yeah. I wasn't really pleased about that because it's taking a physical toll, you know, and th- like the sleep is another thing. You're sleeping in these like hotel rooms, especially in New York. It's just you feel like you're in a sardine can. Oh, yeah. I and actually got kind of sick in Toronto because yeah. I literally just wasn't I don't know sleeping. how I haven't gotten sick because yeah. I, I felt really stressed and I wasn't getting enough sleep. And they, they start these conferences at 8 a.m. It doesn't make any sense. No, you know, that's the other weird thing, too. Is that it these feels are, like school. Yeah. It's like weird. <laughs> that's a weird thing, too, is like I get it. This goes for Liberty Conferences are the same way. Yeah. Frankly. Um, but so many of them, like, you know, in fact, even even uh, uh, science fiction conventions, which I used to frequent constantly, <laughs> wow. all of them, they all start at like 9 a.m. And I'm thinking, like, wait a minute, what the hell? This must like, be a conspiracy. No, to nobody like- <laughs> I know in the tech world, in the liberty world, in the, well, maybe in the liberty world, there's there's some stuffies that, uh, y- you know, that get up at like 6 a.m. or something. It's a breed, though. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, like a lot know, of people oh, are self-employed. They don't have to get up at 8 you know <laughs> yeah i mean nobody writes good code at 7 a.m unless they've been up <laughs> yeah, since, since uh you know noon the day yeah, before exactly. nobody does that and i'm thinking who the hell are these people like they're not even real if they can get up at this time yeah uh, it, it's, i know i got asked <laughs> to give new user bitcoin talks at the texas conference they had me at like 10 a.m which wasn't too bad but at the toronto conference they had me at like nine you know, nine oh, o'clock, yeah. Yeah. nine thirty, and it was like on a weekend, and it was kind of hard to find. Like you had to kind of wander through the bowels of the Toronto Convention Center to find this room. Beautiful venue is huge, they, but yeah, you had to really find your way. Yeah, where they had yeah. this free session that was supposed to be for new users, and uh, man, it, it. I just, I think the time may have deterred some people from wanting to show up. Sure. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and like in in New York, I kind of I'm not blaming anybody. I know this is how things, you know, presently kind of work. But um, like in New York, yeah, I get it. There's a lot of VCs there. And believe me, I understand, you know, the need to be up to deal with international markets that you get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and you, you know, you attach yourself to a phone or in this case, the Internet now these days. You know, I I totally understand that world uh, as well as anybody can. But like isn't isn't that the problem is that like you know that that's one of the <laughs> this yeah. is part of freedom is that we gotta stop being slaves to these fucking clocks yeah you, you know i mean really it's so bad and and to you know have people get up i just i i think it's antithetical you know and yeah well i mean sometimes i feel like the morning not not in toronto but like sometimes i feel like the mornings are sort of a pc diplomatic way for 
um, conference organizers to give speakers a chance to speak who they don't consider that important. Yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> you know that's I mean? a possibility. Like if it's not that important, they'll put you in the morning slot because yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. wakes up on time for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so in New York, they put they put the panel that I was on, which was called Bitcoin Remittances in the Developing World. Very interesting panel to me, but they put it at like 9.30 a.m., like right after the first um, session. It wasn't the right. first session, but it was like the second session, maybe. It was a packed room, though. It, it was. And I was surprised that many people came because, like, I thought the subject was interesting. But, like, 930, that's almost like giving someone a nosebleed seat. Like, you know, like, it's it's not a time when it's probably going to be the best attended. You know what I right. mean? So, yeah. uh <laughs> But it was very well attended. And you got... How many, how many people were, were on this panel with you? Mark was, Mark Hochstein was, was yeah, uh, he moderated it, it and yep. he did a fantastic job. And then there were like four other people on the panel with me. You were the only one that got, as soon as they announced you, you know, not at the end of the panel, at the beginning of the panel. Yeah. People just started clapping, you know, no, <laughs> yeah. for nobody else. I introduced they, myself. Yeah. I said, I've, I'm on Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast and, then, and people started to clap. Oh yeah. They, that I, was so cool. Yeah, I room really was on felt fire. great about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, just, I was surprised by it, but I was really happy uh, yeah. to see that people like liked Let's Talk Bitcoin and listen to it. Um, well, they liked you. Make no mistake. <laughs> I did have a couple people after that panel say that they wished I had been able to speak more and that I had, you know, like I was the only one who was actually speaking with the interests of like the people who might be on the receiving end of remittances. Sure. Uh, had in mind, you know, it, because like, okay, so the panel was called... Bitcoin remittances and the developing world. And there were, uh, you know, just some people on the panel who like were really focused on making institutions that might send money from a place like the U S to a place like anywhere in the developing world, right? Anywhere in the rest of the world, basically. Um, they were just really focused on making these institutions like KYC compliant and like issues like that. And I was the only one who spoke up. Even Pelly Brandgard was on the panel. He founded um Capoche. Yeah. And which got actually shut down by M-Pesa because there was like some misinformation about it in the media and they yeah. were scared of Bitcoin or something. But anyway, so I but I was the only one on this panel who said, look, there's nothing to prevent people from sending money to their family members in a different country in Bitcoin directly even if that person only have has a feature phone or whatever there's 37 coins there's um btc to sms there's coin there's all these different ways that you can use bitcoins with a, a feature phone yeah so if somebody has that then they're 37 all set. coins there's a few different ones yeah i just mentioned that oh sorry I, <laughs> That's that fine. I do that all the time go ahead it's cool brian i know you i know you know what i mean but yeah um yeah there's all these ways for just individuals to do remittances in a direct like peer-to-peer kind of manner like they don't necessarily need these institutions that have to deal with kyc and stuff right to be able to send money to their families people have been doing that for a while so i was like the only one to say that everybody else was talking about doing it like really institutionalized and i I didn't really agree with that and uh (sighs) they were even trying to like down i thought they were downing bitcoin look bitcoin can't isn't going to do this and it's not going to do it the best um and- yeah they they said like okay so the argument was like most of the cost of remittances and sending money abroad 
is in complying with the regulations. It's not in actually sending the money. So therefore, Bitcoin doesn't solve that problem. And I was like, wait a minute. Yes, it does. It does solve that problem. You're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they missed the point that, uh, you know, because they talked about this one company that will do it for zero percent. And it's like, well, that's nice. Oh, that that was a company in India, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was like, well, that's Zoom. Yeah, Zoom. Yeah. Okay. But they will like, send money to different places for 0%. Sorry. Right. But the problem is, is that that's nice that it can do that. But guess what? Bitcoin can do it anywhere. Zoom yeah. will not. Yep. That's okay. True. I mean, that's, that, that, that's a fact of, of, of how that is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, and, and you got some- And Bitcoin does it instantaneously, whereas Zoom, if you want to pay a 0% fee, you're going to wait five days. Yeah. Because they try to upsell you to do it faster. Yeah. That's yeah. how they make their money. Yeah. So, so I thought the other panelists were nice enough, but uh, misinformed or at least maybe agenda based i don't know uh so but <laughs> they you were got- just coming from a perspective of like really inside the system kind of thinking you know what i mean yeah. um I, I i did think that pele had some good things to say about um like what when people say the developing world like there's this tendency to kind of lump it all together and mm-hmm. it's just oh yeah anywhere outside the u.s like people are living in mud huts and they have aids <laughs> and malaria and it's a wonder they're they don't have any food and you know, let alone internet, but that's obviously not true. It's a giant planet out there and there's all different kinds of countries and conditions are different in different places around the globe, you know, and, and it's going to be a very individualized situation if you're trying to send money to someone who's in a different place on the planet. Um, And so like that was an important perspective to keep. And uh, there was also an interesting bit that I wasn't really too familiar with about the Hawala system. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. Um, In Somalia, I guess there's like this trust-based lending system, which we always say Bitcoin is trustless, but this might be the kind of the good kind of trust, I guess, where it's like reputation. It's not really trust, like just trust us, it's reputation. And so people get loans based on basically the what what uh, i think pele was saying was like the oldest form of kyc which is i know you i know your father i know how many camels he has and <laughs> i'm gonna give you this loan based on that that's your credit worthiness well i mean you know uh somalia or wait I, oh that's what people in the u.s associate with anarchy yeah exactly it's, it's warlords it's anarchy. anarchy and so what happens when you have anarchy oh boy suddenly everything's based upon uh you know uh, actual like uh reputation yeah how about that well actually no, anyway, there, but- there was a lady on the panel um uh from an organization called dciq which is basically like exists to help international remittances organizations mm-hmm. comply with all the laws and so mark hockstein said well hawala that must be like a dirty word in the circles that you run in mary she right. was like the rep from this company and she she really kind of danced around the question (laughs) like she didn't really answer it yeah Uh, Uh, but but just to be clear somalia is not actually an anarchist country uh and it it's it's very annoying when people you know you know state loving types love to level that against anarchists mm -hmm. saying why don't you move to somalia you know there's actually there is only one anarchist country on the planet right now and that is zomia so but an anarchist country isn't that kind of an oxymoron yeah but uh, it is an oxymoron because it's not a country it's actually just a landmass yeah so they don't call it a country but it is called zomia and uh, it's a region yeah it's a region and uh, china hates it 
So does India. So do all these countries around there because they can't tax the damn people living in it. <laughs> so any, anyway, uh, I always I love to throw that out there because when people say it's like, why don't you move to Somalia if you're an anarchist? I say, well, I'll move to Zomia, you know, where it is actual anarchy. And then they instantly go, ooh, where's Zomia? It's like, yeah, exactly. You lost your catchphrase. Is that where uh, the island of stone bitcoins is? Maybe. No. I think <laughs> no, it no, is. No. It, I don't know. It's so the island of stone bitcoins is like an article that's written by George Edinger, but it's an idea. Be, like so, there's this island in Micronesia mm-hmm. called the Island of Yap or okay. the Isle of Yap or something. And in that island, somebody at one point decided the there are these like giant spherical rocks. Okay, like the as big as two people, you can't really move them. And somebody at one point decided that those rocks are money. And but since you can't like obviously you can't put it in your back pocket like how are you going to keep track of like what the money's doing and who who has the money basically who owns it and who who can spend it well they did that via a ledger a public ledger that everybody knew that was available to all the villagers and that could be basically audited by the fact audited by the fact that everybody had a copy it's just like the blockchain except it exists in the physical world yeah. so people use that analogy to explain the bitcoin blockchain as a distributed public ledger that is um represents who sort of has a claim on uh what pieces of money or what what units right now this is interesting and I want to shift gears if, if it's okay with you. I want to shift gears towards Toronto, towards the Bitcoin Expo now. Sure. If you're all set talking about the, if there's more comments you had about was, your talk. Yeah, there's it. just one thought I wanted to finish that we Please. brought this up a lot earlier. I said at one point that I felt like um, there were two conferences going on because right. we did actually see a lot of libertarians at that conference, at the New York conference. Like Mark Edge showed up just ran it. We didn't know he was going to be there, but he just came for the day. Um, Ernie Hancock was there. I had no idea he was going to be there. Of course, David, um, David Irvine with, um, made safe. Yeah. And then there were, you know, like Dan Larimer, of course, that we talked about and trace Mayer was there. And, um, we talked to uh, sneak and, you know, there were all these people there that were definitely libertarian. Oh yeah. And like Xavier Hawk, I, I don't think he's really a libertarian. He's in the permaculture, he's big into permaculture which he they talk- cross current. I think, yeah, like he definitely strikes me as an outside the box thinker, Sure, you know, definitely, definitely not like in the system. He showed up with a friend who had face tattoos. So yeah. it's pretty much negates <laughs> pretty like, unique. being working on wall street, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, they were cool. And like, so there were a lot of cool people there that were not like establishment types you know what i mean who were saying like yeah let's regulate bitcoin um (laughs) but then there were also a lot of the like regulatory types yeah at the same time and so i kind of felt like i stayed in like one side of the conference and i was only like really talking to and interviewing um certain people i didn't try to get any interviews with like government officials or vcs or anybody who was in the wall street kind of financial sector type yeah yeah absolutely so i mean overall feeling of the new york city of inside bitcoins i mean like oh one more story from that sorry i just thought of this randomly remember when um barry silbert said that there was going to be a bubble a price bubble and then somebody tweeted that oh yeah that was the big news (laughs) yeah we got to tell that story (laughs) <laughs> so like right before my panel about remittances there was this other panel I, I don't know what it was about it was something uh, uh yeah i don't even know the title of it but it was some kind of 
you know, pretty like Bitcoin is an investment or something like that. And Barry Silbert is from Second Market, I believe, mm-hmm. who's like starting a Bitcoin exchange. And he's a pretty like in the system kind of person. Yeah. But he said like, uh, he, what did he say? Like he made like an offhand joke, basically, at the end of the panel saying something like people say there's going to be a bubble in bitcoin price i guarantee i'll make a prediction i guarantee there's going to be another price bubble yeah and some media outlet like tweeted that and like reported it as that was like the big news that of was the, the day. big news and there was so much else said and it was just that. like an offhand comment yeah. <laughs> i just just like he just said it as a joke basically yeah, like because yeah. it's kind of a funny and obvious statement but they were reporting that as though this was like the big like yeah, serious news you know? ridiculous so the overarching attitude of the inside bitcoins conference in new york i thought sucked you know it was, but <laughs> but i mean there's certainly but there were glimmers of hope within it definitely there were, and there were some cool things about it for sure yeah definitely so but but overall it felt very much like i mean better than vegas but mm-hmm. uh but not as good as, uh, as austin you know like oh, okay i was just thinking about the the atmosphere in Vegas, like that I was not very comfortable in, you know, with all mm-hmm. the, the like, gl- you know, glitzy like things and like big giant buildings that you had to walk. It was like the antithesis in Ve- of Vegas in that way, because like in Vegas, we were saying how it took 30 minutes to walk from one side of the hotel to the other. Yeah. Well, in New York, it felt like everything was just in a tiny sardine can. It was, I yeah, said yeah. that before, but it just felt like you're being squished and smushed and like squeezed into these tiny spaces. Oh, in New York itself? Yeah. We tried to go out to dinner with a group of nine people and that was like a big problem because there wasn't enough room in restaurants for a group of nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's no space. It feels like everything is being rationed. I said this on Sex and Science Hour, so I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it bears repeating because it just feels like you're in this kind of like survival scenario, you know, where like everything is scarce and you're kind of fighting with people and there's a lot of conflict about resources because they're (laughs) just not enough of things. Yeah, I mean, New York City, of course, I grew up there uh, for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you're not, my, my problem with it is, I don't like having to rely on taxis, the bus, or subways, or whatever. I want autonomy. I want to either be able to really walk there, Mm -hmm. or I want to drive my own car. And neither of those are really viable options, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're at the Javits Javits Center, uh, to get somewhere in New... You know, to get something to eat, even, in New York. That was a problem. It it felt like there were all these new problems created. How do you get food? Well, you got to find some you got to walk somewhere and then you have to know where you're going and you have to make sure it's right and has food you can eat and it has a reasonable price and how are you going to get there in the rain you didn't have an umbrella and it's just like there are all these different problems that are created that are non-issues in new hampshire that we're kind of adapted to yeah or pretty much anywhere outside of like a large city you Mm -hmm. know um and so yeah i'm just i'm not a fan of the the whole large large city things of course you know large cities out west like las vegas i mean everything's spread out because they're in the middle of the desert then it's like a sprawling thing right same with austin everything's like really spread out you know that was kind of the same deal so but you can go to both extremes and new york was the other extreme yeah as to where you know i thought toronto was uh, kind of the, the somewhat of the, the happy, happy medium. medium yeah yeah and, and it was uh you know the city itself was a lot nicer uh very very boy talk about needing something to eat you could have something to eat in no time 
mm. uh, very fast. And we were in the heart of the city. Uh, you know, we we're right by where the Blue Jays play. So, you know, it wasn't like we were, uh, you know, in some nice suburb or something. No, we were in dead center Toronto. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, the, Toronto itself, the city was, was very nice. Uh, yeah. Very attractive women. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I noticed that, um, that was one thing I really liked about Toronto, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, people generally pretty nice and he, I thought it was better than those two extremes. Like you described, I yeah. enjoyed the sort of middle ground, um, there were some like weird customs though like we stayed in a hotel and they pre they not only like pre-charged my credit card for the entire amount of the stay which was like a five-day stay right and didn't tell me so it was like oh this where's this thousand dollar charge on my credit card where did that come from you know right. and they so i prepaid for it and I, you know, all right well okay i guess this is how they do it in canada <laughs> in the u.s they don't bill until you check out usually yeah um and then like once we got there we got the rock star charge, Brian. Well, that was the thousand dollar. No, no, that was a separate one. So the thousand oh, dollar charge was, I see what you're was to I pay you for the actual stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we arrived, they charged a bunch more. Yeah, when we yeah, arrived, I thought that's what you were originally talking about. Yeah, well, well, when we arrived, they put a another like six hundred and fifty dollar hold on my credit card. Yeah, this this for is, incidentals. Exactly. This is. I mean. Some, you know, some hotels will do this, uh, like on a regular basis, but it won't be anywhere near like the extra almost thousand dollars you had to hash out. Oh yeah. For it. Um, but this is what they call we a rock. We got it back. Cause obviously we didn't trash the hotel room, no, but right, like, right. felt like Axl Rose. <laughs> well, that's, that's just it. This is what they call a rock star charge. Yeah. It's very, very common in, in all, all over the U S anyway. And, uh, Europe, I imagine it's pretty common too. Uh, but I, I can speak personally for the U.S. one where if, you know, they, they look at you, uh, you know, the workers at the hotel, they look at you and they think, oh, man, this is going to this could get nuts or something like that. They they hike up this crazy charge on you. OK, I because they're we expecting take that as a compliment. Yeah, but maybe, still, yeah, I didn't feel very complimented. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, but then, you know, they're expecting Vince Neal from Motley Crue to be tossing chairs out of the window. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. That's <laughs> now I don't know how we look like that. Maybe it's because they had a hat on that was backwards. I can't believe that we was were the like reason. a little disheveled from traveling. But God, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it no, wasn't that bad. No, right? It, it's it's crazy. So you know, but I mean, the hotel itself wasn't bad. Well, though the spa and the the, yeah. the pool was closed. It felt which that a little sucked. nickel and dimey, I have to say. It was almost oh, like sure. Vegas. Like, yeah, you sure. know, they had cashews and sodas in the room, but they were five dollar. They were eleven dollars for the cashews and five dollars for the soda. Yeah, so, it's so annoying. Yeah. I, I I I agree. So, but anyway, um, you know it. But it was it was a nice place. Um, I still didn't get to go in the pool though because right because it was the closed. Pool and spa were and the gym were closed yeah just like vegas so there was a similarity there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was kind of disappointed about that because even though we don't have a lot of time at conferences it is always nice if you can take a nice little yeah spin. and just relax that would have been great especially since we were so like traveled out go. oh my god uh, yeah we got there and as soon as we checked in we basically just slept for like a whole day. <laughs> literally, oh yeah, almost literally. Yeah, because uh, we were so sleep deprived. So after we left New York, we left New York at like 1 a.m. And that was bad news. Right. Uh, we we got to this part, you know, we got the car from the parking garage, had an issue with the car. It was dinged in the parking garage. Yep, yep. 
we drove home. It took, you know, five, six hours. We get home at like six in the morning, go to sleep for a couple hours, get up, pack. Then we had to catch a bus to start our trip to Toronto at 5 a.m. the next day. Mm -hmm. So we were home for like 24 hours and then we got... Oh, and so we, we were running on like no sleep. So as soon as we got to Toronto, we just crashed and yeah. we slept for like almost a whole day because yeah. we really needed it. Yeah, absolutely. So, but anyway, Toronto itself was pretty nice. Food was fantastic. All that, you know, the restaurants were, were, were really, were really good. I yeah, thought the, they food, were the good. food was really good. I had like uh, the best sashimi I've ever had there. Yeah. Fune was the name of the yes, place. Yes. Great yeah. place. If you ever, if you're in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Check that out. Uh, so, so that, that was great. And, and, you know, again, the, the city was 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 nice to see and all but the conference i, I want to get to the conference oh um, right yeah the conference <laughs> and <laughs> yeah um so the, the conference itself you know again that that attitude that you felt in uh you know in in new york wasn't there um i felt like it was you know it, anthony diorio kept talking about community i thought there was community no doubt about it yeah i thought there was community for sure um I did I did get the sense that there were people there with projects that they really were looking forward to making money off of. Sure. You know, uh, and it wasn't like all altruistic or anything like that. No, no. Right. But, you know, it wasn't like it, there wasn't like this focus on like, how can we be compliant or whatever, you know? No, no. Yeah. I didn't really hear the words regulation. Yeah. Much of anywhere. Yeah. And there, there weren't many. Um, investors either no 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 there were some but uh you know most of the companies that were showcasing there were canadian yeah not all arabits was there again uh fiva of course was there mm -hmm. and minor you know some others um but that there wasn't... was a bitcoin artist that was cool they had a lot of art oh yeah 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 the, the, the bitcoin like art was was pretty wild that they did a did an auction for some that was really cool. cool art like i don't usually get excited about art but mm -hmm. i was i was really impressed yeah some of it was pretty impressive so, uh, you know, but I think, uh, you know, large part, obviously, again, the attitude was great. Plenty of speakers saying, look, we don't need regulation. We don't need the state. We don't need, you know, let's end government's Bitcoin right. is, is freeing up everything, you know, which is exactly the message you want to hear. Uh, there is, it was, y you had to walk a bit to get to the conference itself within, mm -hmm. because it was just this huge, uh, center, huge convention yeah. center. Yeah. Um, but other than that, when you got into the conference itself, very tight knit. So, so that was good. Um, as far as like actual things, uh, to do, I mean, you, you had to get up pretty early in the morning again, like you talked about how uncomfortable that is, uh, to give, yeah. to give a talk, you know, oh, like an introductory plight. talk to, yeah, <laughs> the, to, to give an introductory talk about Bitcoin. Well, uh, yeah, the intro talk, that was kind of an interesting experience because I thought I was going to be giving an intro to Bitcoin talk like I did kind of at the Texas conference. So right. I kind of had this talk prepared. But then like I saw the schedule and it was actually like me and three people, one of whom couldn't make it. So it was supposed to be like me, Jonathan Mohan, and but he couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And Chris Horlacher with the Mises Institute of Canada. Right. And so Will Pangman, really good guy, he um, filled in for John Mohan. And so we were kind of talking about like, well, hey, what are we going to do in the morning? We saw each other the night before and we we're like, hey, what are we going to do in the morning for this Bitcoin thing? And we show up uh, on Saturday morning to give the New Year's uh, Bitcoin talk. And Will and I had kind of compared notes. But Chris actually had a presentation all ready to go to. Right. So we were like, well, what do we do? So we kind of just winged it and we let Chris give his presentation first. And you know, like it was a great presentation. I learned a lot about Austrian economics and about Bitcoin and about other stuff, but it 
it was more of a like history and and economics of Bitcoin talk. It wasn't really like a new user Bitcoin talk. Yeah, to I, me, I didn't think it was very appropriate for new users, but it was a great talk. Yeah, I well, it was great and it wasn't mm-hmm. um, to me. Like, okay, yes, you know, he was laying out some interesting history, you know, that that Bitcoin, he was trying to make the case that Bitcoin was inevitable. There were some parts of it that I thought were kind of BS. Like, he started saying that, oh, Hayek said that, uh, you know, eventually there's going to be this private money and all this stuff. And like, he, you know, quoted Mises a bit. (laughs) And it's like, as if those guys would have liked Bitcoin. (laughs) <laughs> I think they would have hated it. You, you know what I mean? I mean, we don't know, but but I just thought like yeah, to somehow to somehow claim that uh, you know Austrian economics had anything at all to do with Bitcoin is insulting. <laughs> yeah, because but, I don't think it had anything. I mean, Austrian economists resisted Bitcoin very hard st- until some still do. Oh yeah, until it became like basically obvious that it was inevitable. Yeah, I mean Bob Murphy's still begrudgingly like accepting it. Yeah. Uh, of course Jeffrey Tucker's all for it. Yeah. Um but I mean But he was the first one to get on board and yeah. that was like not at the beginning of Bitcoin. Like that was yeah. for for libertarians, they were late adopters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, I I just I found that to be like yes it was sound in what it was saying especially like his description of bitcoin was mm-hmm. pretty good but i thought to somehow like attach it to a history mm-hmm. uh i i found that really insulting and people well, are gonna say that- i found it interesting because i'm kind of a geek about those things i was at one time in my life i was very heavily interested in austrian economics yeah, me too and the mises institute yeah me too however People off the street who don't know about Bitcoin and don't know about the Mises Institute right. are going to be like, who the fuck is this Hayek guy? What, yeah. it, what, what does his opinion matter to me? He's dead. Yeah. 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 He's a Nobel Prize winning economist from the 1950s. But like, no, he's long gone. Like, why no, does it right. matter what he thinks? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a quote I like to throw around. We can't around. even ask him what he thinks about Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is a quote I like to throw around quite a bit is like that. Look, you know, there's new ideas that that we've never even thought of. Bastiat did not invent the iPhone. You, you know, I mean that that's 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 the quote is, is yeah. that Bastiat did not invent the iPhone. So well, he I, did. It was the broken Windows theory. Oh right, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, that's that's clever. Okay, I can't resist a good economic pun. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that, boy, that'll be quote of the show. Um, <laughs> but. You know, look, yes, people will say, well, Satoshi was using sound economic theory when he created Bitcoin. Um, okay, whatever. You know, but I mean, the point is, is that the Mises Institute, Rothbard did not, you know, think of Bitcoin. These people did not think of Bitcoin. They have nothing to do with it. They have nothing to do with it. And in fact, if the Mises Institute was so goddamned important to Bitcoin, which it's not. Mm-hmm. Satoshi would have said, thanks to Ludwig von Mises, yeah, you know, I came up with Bitcoin. And so I really, I don't like how this, this, you know, this organization, I'm not saying it's a bad organization, but I don't like how they're like, they're, they're trying to remora themselves to Bitcoin shark <laughs> to some degree. And it's like, look, no, your goal, guess what? Gold failed, man. Deal with it. You, you know, it, it's okay. I'm not ready to like give away all my gold yet no but. no no no. but but i mean gold is not the freeing force of the world that's not like true. bitcoin that okay is true, i yeah. mean that, that's that's my point gold still has value everybody relax gold still has value subjective okay. value subjective value Which has he value did in say. our society he, yes he did, he did say that in his talk but yeah. yeah i agree with you i'm not sure that the mises institute no. and austrian economics is like 
the most relevant thing about Bitcoin yeah, that I mean, will get like new people excited about it. Yeah, it, it felt like a retcon of, of history. But and anyway. not only that, but like, you know, one of the first things about speaking is like, know your audience. And I know I know he's from the Mises Institute, but like a lot of the audience members, based on the questions they were asking, they were leftists. Yeah, there's a lot of socialists. They there. would have rejected outright anything they perceived as like right libertarian. Yeah. Like we got so many questions. Actually, every panel and every talk that I saw at the Toronto conference was like this, where there were basically like people with kind of leftist views that would stand up and ask questions about the poor, about, you know, is is this fair, about equality, about gender stuff, about right. Mon- you know, monetary equality, internet access for people around the world about, you know, that kind of stuff. That was like, those were their concerns. So if those people knew what Austrian economics was, they probably wouldn't have looked too fondly upon it. You well, know? which they may not have. I mean, maybe they just didn't say anything. And, yeah. and, you know, and this is okay, because guess what? Bitcoin's bigger than capitalism. <laughs> you know, it is because, you know, in fact, Anthony DiOrio, the guy who threw this whole fantastic Toronto Expo, mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin Expo, said that his favorite conference of the year was uh, Argentina. Mm. And he said that because to them, it's a life saving matter. This is not economics. This is not how can I get a good handbag? This is a life saving <laughs> affair. OK, you know, in, in, in Bitcoin. And that's my point is that this goes way beyond, you know, any ism. Yeah. Bitcoin is, you know, it, it's it's a technology that technology that's just up in the air. It's just like computers. Computers is not, you know, OK, well, without capitalism, we would have never had computers. All right. Fine. Fuck. Whatever. I, <laughs> stop. <laughs> you know, the, the point is, is that it's a technology that's used by people to do 10 billion things that has nothing to do with any specific ideology. <laughs> Okay, and and that's so I'm glad that they were there. Yeah. is my point. I, I was it, it was good to, to hear all sides because at the same time these are the same people that want to stop wars. You know, it's they're not the they're not the warmongering status yeah, that, that we have to deal true. with. You know, Canada so, doesn't really wage many wars, but uh. <laughs> no, certainly not. But I mean, definitely people coming from all over the world. Mm. Uh, this is clearly an international audience yeah. at the at the Bitcoin Expo, which is which is really great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, in your introduction, I thought was great. You and uh, Will Pangman did a fantastic job. Yeah, Um, like, I have to say, again, I am not the most functional in the morning, and I was pretty sleep deprived from the mm. week before. But we pulled it together. And we did, I thought, like a pretty intro level, you know, just kind of Q&A, we bounced questions off each other. And we took questions from the audience. And, you know, we did our best. I thought it came out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoy talking about Bitcoin with new users. Yeah, yeah. That's like my new mission. Like, well, I think it's an important one. <laughs> I think so too. Not most people, people do don't that. know about Bitcoin. Yeah. So that's great that we can have these big, you know, deep conversations about what's coming, mm-hmm. you know, in the cryptocurrency world. But uh, somebody's got to be there. Yeah. To say to you know a lot of the noobs, and I mean that in a nice way. Uh, hey, you know, this is how it gets done. Yes. And you always do a great job of that because you show people you have someone in the audience, you know, totally random 
come up and say, okay, here's my phone. Here's your phone. Let's do a transaction. And you do yes. it. There's and, always a live demo. Yeah. In my and I think <laughs> that is the, to see, for people to see just how fast and how it all works is the singular best thing that can be done. And you mm-hmm. do it every time. And I love it. Thank you. Although, you know, uh, there was a screw up, which was kind of funny that we can talk about. So I wanted to have this live demo in my thing, in my talk or presentation where, mm-hmm. you know, I just whip out my phone. I have some milli bits on my phone and I send whoever, a member of the audience, or in this case, it was Will Pangman who was right. presenting with me, one milli bit. And so we went to do that during the presentation and you know all these people are staring at me it's it's live we're in prime time yeah and uh he pulls up his blockchain.info app i pulled up mycelium i was going to send him the the milli bit he was going to receive it he pulls up blockchain.info and i guess there's some default setting in the blockchain app where you if you don't specify like how much bitcoin you want someone to send you sometimes Mm -hmm. it'll invoice the person for like one bitcoin oh yeah and so i scanned his qr code to send him the millibit and it came up like it it read it on my phone as a thousand millibit millibits oh yeah yeah and i was like oh well i don't have that much so i just i wanted to hurry up because people were watching and i was like hey look how easy this is oh actually it's not that easy you know like i'm looking <laughs> at my phone oh there's a fuck up yeah 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 <laughs> so i just panicked and i pressed like okay just send whatever the max is that i have on my phone to will and i said there sent look how easy it is yeah. <laughs> and they had no idea but um then later i was like i had to say like will was like wow that works so well like that was like so seamless and i was like actually uh i think i just sent you like 190 millibits i didn't need to send you that much could you send it back to me and he said i'll think about it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so but either way it worked out great that was that was really good yeah um so then you gave a talk uh on sunday was it um no that was on saturday on saturday it was a weekend convention so like we were there from like thursday to monday but yeah um the convention itself was only on like it started like friday night friday with night. the dinner and then it ended off on sunday night yeah um so it was really just a weekend thing so uh, yeah i gave a talk about women and bitcoin and it mm. was called like what does bitcoin offer to women and you know sort of like the the abstract or the elevator pitch was there's look there's all this talk about women and bitcoin and how the community is predominantly male and how can we get more women in bitcoin and everybody's kind of talking about this stuff i would like to, to um talk about like you know what does bitcoin have to offer to women and so that was how i summarized it but i made the talk really um individualism focused it was very much like i said at the beginning of the talk this is not a man hating talk in right. any way i'm not going to pick on men at all um and actually i think there is no way to get more quote women in bitcoin because that's a collectivist statement itself you know, mm-hmm. like, how can we bo- get more women in Bitcoin? That's like asking, how can we get more, like, you know, Eskimos in Bitcoin? Or how can we get more <laughs> lesbians in Bitcoin? Yeah. Like, there's no way all those people are individuals. And all women are individuals. And they have their own ideas and I- thoughts and opinions and so forth. And they're all different. So really, it's just about getting people to Bitcoin. And, you know, once you think about that, then the possibilities are kind of limitless. It's right. not about making the Bitcoin QT client pink. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not about <laughs> Which people have uh, uh, suggested. Yeah, it's not about, you know, being able to shop for heels or, or whatever with Bitcoin. 
Although there probably are some women who would be interested in being able to shop for high fashion with Bitcoin. And that's fine. Everybody's different and it takes all types. It's just that that is not going to get more, quote, more women in Bitcoin because all women are different. We're not a hive mind. We we all have our own interests and stuff. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I really tried to focus on individualism and I also tried to um, talk about the things that got me really excited. Like I talked about the women's annex and the film annex, paying right. women in Afghanistan for blogging with Bitcoin. Right. Um, I talked about uh, a couple of other cases of like entrepreneurship, what I did with my business, starting a bit home based kind of Bitcoin business with my voiceover business. Um, and I really tried to make it like to just make the case that, yeah, like we're all individuals there, but there are specific issues that, um, affects like women, you know, Mm -hmm. just like there are men's issues that primarily affect men. And here are some things that might appeal to people who care about those issues that primarily affect women, you know, like the, like the blogging thing in Afghanistan, like, like women not being able to keep their money if they live in Afghanistan. And here's a solution to that. Right. Right. Um, Or people who want to spend more time with their kids who statistically, you know, there are lots of stay-at-home dads, but there there are also lots of stay-at-home moms. And that's kind of, you know, a choice that women can make, uh, you know, and of course it's fine to do that. But if they don't want to go to work all day and pay for daycare and so forth, then maybe, you know, starting a home-based online business is something they might want to look into as a solution to that. And Bitcoin, here's how Bitcoin makes it so much easier, because it is really daunting and difficult to get a bank account, like a business bank account. Nobody wants to do that or knows how to do that if they've never been an entrepreneur. Right. You know, there's kind of a high bar to clear. But with Bitcoin, you can just accept Bitcoin. And if you have a blog, you just put up a Bitcoin address and you can start accepting it today without asking anyone's permission. Yeah. So, um, I, I kind of just talked about stuff like that. And I was expecting heat from libertarians who dislike collectivism and would would have called me a collectivist simply because I said women in the talk and not people, you know. (laughs) But actually, I got the opposite. And there were like a couple people in the audience who I think my talk was not radical enough for them. It was like, they they were like standing up and saying, look, there's like booth babes and like in Bitcoin magazine, there's a picture of this scantily clad women and I think it's a bunch of shit. That's what Amir Taki said. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) And I thought it was really funny and awesome the way that he said it, but it's a serious point that I really didn't address in my talk, which is that, look, you know, there have been some prominent examples of, you know, Bitcoin conferences where they're like, I heard at the Miami conference, which we didn't go to, right. that there were like women with like gold body paint with like their boobs, like kind of hanging out the bottom of these tiny crop t-shirts and like taking pictures with people. I mean, yeah, women were being objectified. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'll admit, um, and I don't think I've told you this yet, but, um, I was actually kind of hoping for, I knew I wasn't going to get it. But I was hoping for a more fire and brimstone feminist talk, Mm. actually, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think there's very serious issues, um, you know, in the Bitcoin world as regards to women uh, and and men, too, certainly, you know, you know, but I mean, fine, we can do a men in Bitcoin talk, too. I don't care. Mm. Uh, But 
like in fact there was a uh, you know like uh, andreas forced or not forced but um by force of personality said <laughs> you know that any conference he goes totally to totally free market yeah they they have to adopt an anti-harassment an anti harassment policy and this was made very clear on friday night that the toronto expo had this anti-harassment policy inside bitcoins didn't okay um and i thought that was great and you know he came right out and said don't be a fucking creeper you know all the i mean it was it was he said know, i believe his words were don't be a creepy asshole yeah yeah <laughs> something like that and i you know i i kind of like that because there are reports of women in the bitcoin community saying they're at these conferences or whatever and they are getting groped groped kissed. yeah i mean yeah. just really way out of line stuff mm -hmm. you know that 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 should be kind of brought to light i understand they want to keep their anonymity that's a-okay with me okay um so but i mean your talk was fantastic you know it was really great it hit it hit points that were incredibly important Thanks. so but i really kept it positive i didn't yeah, focus yeah. on any a lot of the negative experiences that i've heard and you know, perhaps that was a mistake, Brian. Well, I don't Honestly, know if it like, was a mistake. Well, I, I was kind of afraid. Like, anytime you talk about feminism or something that resembles feminism or whatever, mm -hmm. like, libertarians hate that word. They just... They do. It gets incredibly emo emotive and, you know, they just get really triggered by that word. See, but then, like... Or like, anything that smacks of it. Yeah, you know? I, I am so glad the talk that you made is out there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but I just, I want to address this quick. I mean... Isn't that all the more reason to give the, that talk to give not the one you gave, but the one like that, that really like well, kinda... perhaps, but it makes it scary. Like every, right. every time I've taken a strong stance about, you know, women's issues. Yeah. Call and, it feminism or call it whatever anti-sexism or right. whatever you want. And I do talk about men's issues too. Believe me, I'm oh, the first yes, one do. talking you're, about you're, circumcision, divorce, and absolutely. everything else. You're fantastic about it. But every time I've taken a stand on women's issues, you know, you get shit for but it. That's the thing. Doesn't that prove the point? Mm. Doesn't that prove that there's a women in Bitcoin problem? Because if yeah. you if you bring up something that happened to you. You know, holy shit. You know, the, I can't believe it. You, you, you hate men. It's like, no, I just don't want to get groped. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not hating men because I'm bringing this up or because I want a policy to exist mm. that says, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to kick you out if you, you know, if you're doing something, you know, that, and it's not just, you know, it's not just women, admittedly, men too. I mean, Andreas has a problem where women are, are almost literally like he's, flocking to he's him. He's had some women harass him. Harass yeah, him, for yeah. Sure. And, 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 you know, more and than one, too. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, I wish I was Andreas, you know, having the women fall mm. all over me. Now you got to understand that it can get into scary territory. Okay, you know, I get it. Like the idea of having women, you know, like love you and all this stuff or, or like, you know, lust after you mm -hmm. like that. That's very exciting. I can I can appreciate that, too. But people can go too far. Oh, yeah. You when know, anyone won't take no for an answer, then it becomes scary, whatever gender they are. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's it's not just about gender, you know. And, and of course, that's what people forget about feminism is that it's actually a movement that wants to free both genders, not just one. It just happens to have one in the name. Mm. Uh, you know how unfortunate. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, anyway. yeah. Can we acknowledge that there's something? Um, not very free or hierarchical or constraining about gender roles and social conventions that limit women's choices. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, there's nothing unlibertarian about that. Yeah. 
But I shouldn't have even been worried about the libertarians because there were not many, like, at the talk, they were more, like, leftists than there were libertarians. Yeah, yeah. And so, I think they were a little disappointed, too, because I didn't talk enough about the patriarchy. Yeah, I mean, either way, people loved your talk. You got tweeted about constantly. Yeah, like, I was really... Like, lots of quotes I getting was really tweeted. happy that I so got the good response Your talk was fantastic. I'm not saying by any stretch... You know, I don't think anyone would say that your talk was. I th- I think people were ex- maybe expecting something else. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I thought I thought it was an incredible talk, and all these are going to be well, available I, on YouTube. You know, I just I don't want to go up there and yell at people. You know, no, no, like, no. That's not the talk that I want to give or that I'm good at giving anyway. Sure. And, and honestly, like, I'm not saying there's no problem because there is a problem definitely. Well, in the Bitcoin. fear of giving that talk is a problem. Yeah, I think it, shows the problem in itself. Yeah, it's it's true, but I mean like really i have to be grateful because like the worst experiences that i've had in the bitcoin community mm-hmm. not the libertarian community I, those have actually been worse than the bitcoin community sure, yeah because libertarians also deny that it, it's a problem or that it exists but yeah in the bitcoin community i've been like you know online when people didn't know my gender i've been assumed to be a dude and addressed as like <laughs> dude bro man whatever yeah, yeah. uh dude bro <laughs> and uh also you know i've felt a little uncomfortable about places where there were booth babes, namely at the San Jose um, convention. Yeah, that was the worst we saw. Of course, we didn't go to Miami. Yeah, but I'm not getting groped at Bitcoin conferences. I'm not getting kissed. And is that because I walk around with you, a man? Is that because I'm unattractive? Is that because Uh, It is because you're unattractive. (laughs) Is that because people take me seriously? I'm not sure. I don't know why that is. I don't want to get groped, believe me, or anything like that. And it's terrible that people do, and I believe that they do. But, you know, maybe I just don't go to the bars late at night or whatever it is. And I don't really go on the Bitcoin forums. I don't really go on Reddit. So I I kind of do insulate myself from some of the online shit that women experience. Sure. You know, and that is kind of by choice. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm my experience doesn't represent all women by any means. It's just my own experience. But I I think I've been pretty, uh, pretty lucky. I haven't really been... I haven't really been. You haven't like, any problems. Not that. Not, not many. Problems. Yeah. yeah. Not not sure. too bad. Sure. No. Well, that's that's good. You know, other than like that film crew was ridiculous. Uh, that yeah, in, that was in pr- Vegas. You know that I forgot about that for a moment, Brian. Yeah. But I was just thinking of the Vegas conference, and yeah, I think that might have been actually the worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got mad about that myself. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, the film crew and not. Anyway, we don't have to rehash that. No, but. no, no, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, so great talk on your part. My talk, I, I had, my Sunday was loaded. Um, yeah. I, I had... You had a fireside chat. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to include that in this podcast. Cool. This podcast is going to be pretty long. I hope everybody's getting through this, because I, I think it's... Uh, I think they like to just hear us yeah, chat about it's, it. Yeah. It's a worthy discussion, so I, I hope everybody's sticking through this. But, uh, sorry, but it, I keep bumping this microphone. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, so, you know, I am including my fireside chat at the end of this because I actually thought I liked that a lot better than my talk. I had 30 minutes to talk. Anthony Diorio was very, very gracious in giving me. I hosted a panel, mm-hmm. a cybersecurity panel, which was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a lot, a lot of information got laid out. In fact, it even kind of made uh, made some headlines and some various websites that that cybersecurity panel, which I was very pleased about. Uh, so that that was good. Um 
But uh, but my talk, I, I I did a I tried to do a slightly different version of is Bitcoin more real than gold, where I was being very fair and laying out the problems with Bitcoin, laying out the problems with gold, mm-hmm. uh, and I had a pretty packed room, so I did not I haven't listened back to my talk yet, uh, but I just what I remember it, remember of it I wasn't very pleased with it I was more pleased with my Austin talk than I was with the one I gave him. <laughs> It's so, funny. We should rewind the podcast yeah. back to the Austin wrap up where you said that you hated your Austin talk. And well, you did, I didn't got, get to say everything. You got censored and yeah. you didn't have your slides yeah. and you got cut well, off. Well, and, my problem was with was with the Austin conference people, you know, that, that I think really screwed me over. But like the talk I, I gave was 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 pretty good. So but I didn't get to lay out as much as I wanted to with 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 the Toronto talk. It's not no way the Toronto conference's fault. You know, I had a half hour and I need to make my best of it. I was, everything was on time, you know, as compared to the Austin conference, I was getting shifted around to different rooms. Everything was on time. Everything was very professional. The guy that introduced me, Alan, he was fantastic. Uh, you know, everything was, was great. I just, I felt like, man, now I might listen back to it and go, oh no, that was actually a great talk. Uh, I mean, a lot of people complimented me after the fact saying, wow, awesome talk, you know, mm. as where I thought I didn't hit a lot of the notes that I, that I wanted to. Um, again, so, uh, you know, whatever, I'm not going to ever give that talk again. If, even if, you know, if I ever get invited to another one of these things, I am not going to give that talk. So, but the fireside chat, I really enjoyed with, uh, with Kyle K, you know, they basically had like a podcast room, which was yeah. being, it was being recorded on video. Yep. And I captured some audio from that room. But yeah, they had like kind of these intimate little chats. Yeah, people got to sit around, you know, and and even ask questions. And oh, it was was really great. You did one with Elizabeth Pochet. Yep. That was cool. That was like a unique thing I haven't seen at any other conferences, really. Right. Usually it's panels or speeches. And this was really like interviews. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really good. I, my, my fireside chat, I thought I laid down a lot of info. Uh, Kyle's a great interviewer. And you came out swinging against the Bitcoin foundation right yeah, away. <laughs> I did, you know, same with my talk with the talk I gave and the fireside chat. Uh, in fact, at the talk, that was the thing that I got, uh, kind of the most questions about is like, what do you mean the Bitcoin foundation is a bad thing? And I'm like, yeah, it's a bad thing. Now, I've been saying that for two years. Yeah. The very first Bitcoin special of Sovereign Tech is like episode four. Or, you know, it was the second special that I did anyway. I said, it's like, look, this organization in their mandate is saying, how do we tax Bitcoin? How do we how do we file the W-2 if I pay my people in Bitcoin and all this stuff? Well, it's hire and, a lobbyist and centralize. Right. And, and I and not really fight the perception that they represent Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. And so right from there, I knew the Bitcoin Foundation was bad news, mm. you know, not something I wanted to deal with. So I got my chance to to take pot shots at my talk and in the fireside chat at the Bitcoin Foundation. And I got to talk. I got to talk about some alternatives. I didn't get to, though, if you're going to listen to episode 70 of Sovereign Tech this weekend uh, or this this week, uh, which will be released right after this. Um, if you, I, I am going to talk about Amazon. I didn't get to talk about my thoughts on Amazon at the conference. And I really wanted to, because interestingly, a day after we get back or a, a, or a day after, like it was on Tuesday, the day after the conference, whatever, or a couple days after the conference, mm-hmm. Amazon made an official statement saying we will not accept Bitcoin. 
Right. And I was going to, now, I mean, listeners of Sovereign Tech know I've said this a million times before that no, Amazon will not be accepting Bitcoin ever, you know, unless it's like 30, 40 years down the line. It's just not going to happen. Um, I really wish I had gotten that in on one of those talks, but I didn't. So anyway, I'm going to talk about it in episode 70, so I'm not going to talk about it now. And people can listen to that, you know, if, if, they, if they want to hear about that. But the fireside chat was was really great. Uh, you know, again, I got to talk about some really deep stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was, I was really pleased with that. And there was, you know, again, some points I don't get to, to put out there, but I, I get the feeling I'd have to have two hours to really give the talk that I want to about is Bitcoin more real than gold. Mm. Um, cause that would include something you talked about, which was, uh, what was the Island's name again? Oh, the Island of Yap, the Island of Yap. AKA uh, the Island of stone Bitcoins. Right now I knew about the, the rye stones, right? Uh, that it's sounds the, the familiar. RIA, yeah, yeah, I know about these. In fact, oddly enough, one of these rye stones is in Ottawa. And I saw it years ago. How did it get there? Yeah, they, they put it. It's actually in the Bank Aliens. of Canada. Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it it's in the Bank of Canada. They they, they brought one oh. to, to, to the Bank <laughs> of Canada. <laughs> and then there's put one. on a boat or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it's always been an interesting thing. And, you know, this is a point I really wanted to talk about. Was that with the rye stones, because we're some people asked me because uh, a lot of people recognized us. We got to meet a lot of great fans for uh, Sex and Science Hour, which yeah, was really that was nice. cool. We he, got so many people who said they listen to Sex and Science Hour and they right. love it. It's their favorite show on the network and so forth. Right. Um, and so we got to meet people. And one of the things people are asking me about is like, you know, you made this comment that you thought that blockchain technology was going to eliminate money. What did you mean by that? And because I never extrapolated on it on any any show I've been on. Mm. And so I actually I, something I wanted to include in the talks was the rye stones, which are from this island of Yap. Mm. Uh, I just when you mentioned it earlier, I didn't put the two together. But these rye stones, I think, actually are they're, they're a great example for you to use for Bitcoin and really for anything for like bit even for bit shares or ethereum or you know any or next or you know any of these crypto platforms because this is the rhizomes didn't just represent money they were colored coins of their day yeah where right, they could they, represent property they represented property on mm. these things and i find Ownership that very very fascinating yeah that just some islanders from you know 500 CE or whatever around that time. Anyway, maybe even earlier, we don't know, you know, we're just basing it. Uh, our dating uh, basis in that area is, is pretty slim uh, as far as evidence goes, but that they, they literally made a blockchain out of stone. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I, I, in a very it's real a sense, blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so essentially this Island of Yap, I think had an economic system that smokes the, the the banking system that we know and love <laughs> and it's been around for you know a good couple thousand years i wonder yeah i wonder how much cheating or corruption or inflation there was in that system it's a good question we don't know yeah and, we don't know and it's careful one must be careful i fall prey to this here and there where uh, you know you you put your your modern sensibilities onto an ancient people mm -hmm. uh you know one has to be careful of that but i would have loved to have brought that up that you know hey you know this isn't exactly the newest of ideas someone else might have thought of this before right and in fact it was so efficient you know and who knows how many other people came up with this stuff you know just because they're the only stones that we can still find that do that um you know there's petrospheres there's all kinds of, of of different stone workings that may have had representations like this so i don't think the idea is 
I think it's older than 500 CE is my point. Um, and, and I, well, <laughs> of course it's not aliens, but, <laughs> but humans, teasing you, I know, Brian. <laughs> I know, but, uh, but, but humans may have come up with something really fantastic. And I would have loved to have explored that and seen really what other people would have thought about that. So maybe I'll talk about that in another episode of sovereign tech at some point, or maybe even on sex and science hour. Um, but anyway, uh, the next thing I, I want to get to, and we've been running long, so I, I don't want to take too much more uh, time. Long? But, What's long? I mean, we don't have a set length for this podcast. No, so no, we no, can, we don't. <laughs> and we're doing two conferences, so. Right. We can go all night. Yeah, and maybe. usually we do like an hour and a half, two hours on a conference, so we're not going to go four hours with this, uh, but we're going <laughs> pretty good. So anyway, the I, I want to say at Toronto... One of the big things around, and I am going to, I, I full disclosure with my listeners, I am going to reserve a lot of judgment. Okay. I am going to hold back on, I don't want to be directly quoted on, on some of this stuff yet. Okay. And, but I, am I going, don't know that there's much you can do about that, Brian. Well, <laughs> you I'm might gonna, get quoted against I'm, your I'm gonna, will. <laughs> well, but it won't be negative. Okay. <laughs> and so, and I'm not saying I have negative thoughts about this. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying that, that I am, I am, I'm just being totally on the level and saying I am holding back in the subject I'm about to discuss. And that is, is that the one thing painted all over the Bitcoin expo more so than Bitcoin, more so than anything. Yeah. And this is, they were a platinum sponsor for what the, for what that means with, with, with the Bitcoin expo the in Toronto, platinum sponsor. the platinum sponsor. This is all over the place. Free t-shirts, free stickers everywhere. I got a t-shirt too. You know, I got, I grabbed some stickers, pins, I, you know, everything all over the place was Ethereum. It was all over the place. It and sure was. Yeah. Charles Hoskinson and, um, uh, and Vitalik Buterin, who are both kind of like the, the big names uh, with Ethereum, yeah. both gave, you know, packed room talks mm -hmm. at this thing. Um, and Ethereum was everywhere. You, you know, it really was like it was it may have been more discussed, more excited about than Bitcoin even at this conference. And that's amazing. And, and really, that's amazing because that it was the first sign I had seen that really we really have gotten or at least the Bitcoin community really has grown beyond Bitcoin for the very first time. Mm. But um, we've grown beyond Bitcoin. Most people still have no idea what Bitcoin even is, though. <laughs> no, no, you're right. But that's why I say the community you know, is yeah. like, is already moving so, f so forward. And that's okay because like at the same, but like, where are they moving forward to? I realized there were talks about Ethereum and everybody's like really excited about what it's going to do, but they don't have a product that's public publicly available. I'm just going to say it. I feel like I'm saying the emperor has no clothes, but like they don't have a product yet. That's right. just the fact. And like, we can talk about what it's going to do all you want, but like, let's, actually get a chance to use it right they they probably want to do it right i understand they're you know they're taking their time and want to make sure they do it right but people are awfully excited for something that doesn't really exist or is at least isn't out yet yeah now this is this is the interesting thing is that right i mean you have a proof of concept out there in fact they just had a new version of the proof of concept come out just the before the thing. conference the alpha client yep. where you can see the contract systems work you can mine ethereum testnet you're not getting actual ethereum folks okay yeah. um you know you, you can do it's but it's very basic okay and they already have the language written which is serpent is the name of their programming mm -hmm. language which is supposed to be kind of be a play on python um 
and you know one can read into the you know the name of the language being serpent uh, you know, if they want to combined with the symbol of the Ethereum being a pyramid with like a compass and square. What do you mean by compass and square? Uh, the uh, the Freemason thing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, it's just an feel free to say whatever you want. About little it. fact. Yeah, you're not saying it. And I'm curious why, because you're Mr. Symbology. Well, I, I said I was going to reserve judgment. Okay, so you're going to let me say it, but <laughs> I noticed there is, like, Illuminati symbolism in Ethereum. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I could see where one would see that. Yeah. Okay, you're not backing me up here at all, <laughs> but I know you think the same thing. And it's just a little bit interesting. Um, Charles Hoskinson in his talk about Ethereum said that he wanted to re-engineer society, which scared me a little bit, honestly. Mm-hmm. That really freaked me out. Um, he said something like, well, wouldn't it be great if you had this identity that was like on the blockchain and like when you take a course or something online, the course software just signs your identity that you took this course. And I, I thought, well, no, that might not be great. You know, I, I might not want everybody to know that I took this class on blowjobs or stripping or something like that you know (laughs) sure and would i be able to decide that Uh, can i opt out you know that's always a big question it brings up this just these big questions of sort of is the freest society one where everything is totally transparent and nobody can cheat you know everybody's subject to the same standards of transparency or is it one where we can have some privacy on certain things sure which i mean i i've talked about that ethereum has been like uh, there's a there's a a website I've talked about in the past on Sovereign Tech called PrivacyTheEnemy.com, or maybe I haven't talked about it, but I mentioned it you in my have. fireside chat. Yeah, you've talked about uh, it. And the Gary Lachance in that actually uses Ethereum as the case for making a completely transparent society. Mm-hmm. And I mean completely transparent society. Uh, and not Meaning with, there's no secrets, uh, yeah, nothing and, is and sacred. <laughs> but bear in mind, there's no government in it either. Okay. Yeah, and that's so, the that's the problem we still do have governments and like you think they're going to want to follow the same rules as everybody else you think they're going to want to be totally transparent no and no right no not even yeah, just they, governments. they have no interest in that not that, even just governments sure. either like when you create some kind of system like that where there's you know like people's information is going to be out there in some way like blockchainized there are going to want to be people who like who aren't going to be wanting to follow the same rules and standards as everyone else. Like that kind of thing only works if everybody is held to the exact same standards. Right. But there are going to, there are people who are going to want special rules for themselves, be that governments, politicians, powerful religious people, whatever, you know, or just powerful individuals who have a lot of money, whatever. Um, and that's a concern that I have. Yeah. I, I understand that, you know, and, uh, it's it is it i can see where someone would feel very disconcerted that you read something like privacy is the enemy and you say okay yeah he says you can use you can use ethereum to make this completely transparent society but no one at at ethereum is saying that they necessarily want to re-engineer society and then you go wait well actually actually they are yes they did say that yeah (laughs) so i can see where that, that that'd be that'd be pretty disconcerting uh, yeah. Certainly. So, I mean, I I am open to the idea that perhaps I just don't understand it completely, 
and that I'm making some assumptions and I'm freaked out because I just don't understand the technology. But, you know, it's going to have to be really explained to me in a way that I feel comfortable with before I start to want to sure. use everything. On now, it. I, you know, I will say, and this isn't anything new, I've tweeted about this in the past, um, that, yeah, Ethereum doesn't, like, nothing actually really exists yet. And yet, it's all over the place, not just at the Toronto conference. A lot of people in my spheres of influence, uh, you know, are very excited about Ethereum. Um, and so it has this incredible marketing machine that Next doesn't have, that it seems BitShares doesn't have. Not that anybody at BitShares is a bad marketer. Yeah. I'm not saying that. But it has this tremendous marketing machine. Uh, it has, like, there's Ethereum meetups. Uh, you know, there, there's all kind. I mean, it's it's a big deal, and there's nothing there yet. Now, um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what I'm about to describe. Okay, I'm just I'm just laying out the fact. Is that some people may say is that an, uh, essentially a Apple is being pulled here, where Apple in the 70s, you know, 80s, they didn't have a product either, but they kept telling everybody, "We've got this amazing product." That can mm-hmm. do this. Yep. And people bought into it. And Apple did deliver the goods. It's pretty clear that Charles Hoskinson takes a lot of inspiration from Steve Jobs. That may be. <laughs> and uh, like there was that Ethereum video, which I was critical of this Ethereum video. Oh. I don't mind saying that. There, yeah. there, there's there's this video that was made that was very much like the this is for the crazy ones Apple campaign yep. uh, that was made. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Like I said, I'm giving credit to their marketing, to to Ethereum's marketing. They're doing a great job. But this was over the top. This was too much. Uh, I was like, no, you can't make this video until you've actually, in the past, actually developed (laughs) something that did change the world like Steve Jobs did. Yeah. Steve Jobs made that, made a video of that, uh, that ilk of that caliber after 20 years after <laughs> Apple already changed the world, which it did. Yeah. Okay. So that, I thought that was really jumping the gun. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and bad form in, in my opinion. Also, it showed all these visionaries in Bitcoin, you know, supposedly, and there was not a single no woman on there. When I would have, you know, boy, if I was doing, especially since they, they went back to the time of Alan Turing, which I'm glad a gay man was in it, but, yep. um, you know, in a, no, I'm not saying you have to represent like, Oh, there wasn't a black guy in it either. There wasn't a Hispanic guy. I'm not saying you have to represent everything. The thing is, I, if you're showing we're thinking different and we're, and we're recognizing, you know, people from all walks of life, young, old, whatever that, that, that changed the world. I would have put Hedy Lamar in that video mm-hmm. who came up with Wi-Fi in the forties. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She was incredible. She was amazing. She did a lot for cryptography. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would have had her there in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this. Even if you think there are no women today who are making significant contributions. Yeah. She's she deserves. Yeah. Or I mean, or even today, put in Marissa Meyer, the creator of Gmail. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's everybody uses Gmail now. Seemingly. Obviously not literally. I don't use Gmail. I use, you know, GMX. But anyway. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was that was bad form. So, but they got an amazing marketing machine. They got a lot going on for them. Maybe they'll deliver just like Apple did. I'm entirely open to that. Uh, as to what exactly they are delivering, that's up to a lot of people. What yeah, they, what they think on it, that. Some are scared. Some marks. are happy. There's a lot of question marks yeah. around it, and I can't. I can't. Like, I know everybody's really excited about it, but I feel like there is some healthy skepticism involved. That's that's completely appropriate. 
sure. of any new technology. Yeah, any, not just a th- not not just not Ethereum, just Ethereum, but, but anything. anything. So, but it, I mean, definitely a lot of excitement around Ethereum there. Uh, pretty palpable. I mean, and and for something that isn't exactly out there. I mean, in fact, I caught Vitalik's you know a good chunk of Vitalik's talk, and he. And this is something I liked about it that I I appreciated with Ethereum. He said that, uh, you know, they haven't really figured out how you're going to mine Ether yet. Like what exactly is the what proof are they going to use? Proof of work algorithm or is it going to be completely proof of stake? He actually said it's a pretty big thing to have not figured out. Sure. Sure. But when he said that it may be proof of stake and he was he talked very positively about proof of stake, I Mm -hmm. totally agree. I think proof of stake is great. I think it's superior to proof of work. Yeah. And uh and so I was I was pleased, you know, to hear that that was on the table. He also said it might be something that that like some guys in Israel were developing that he was going to put into that um, you know, that had better math than proof of work essentially. So, you know, that 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 intrigued me that proof of that or not proof of work, proof of stake. That proof of stake was was on the table. Um, and so, you know, I, I was interested by that. Otherwise I didn't really hear anything, uh, necessarily like, like that, that earth shattering on, on the end of it. So, you know, but it was all over the place, you know, just, just, just to give uh, listeners, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, birds or, you know, a, a mind's eye view of, of the, the conference, Ethereum was everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Another, well, we don't even have to talk about this, but. Another thing I just remembered that did get some heat at the conference was the the issue of the Ethereum pre-mine. Yeah, some people questioned that. And uh, Anthony DiOrio got up and, you know, and said, hey, look, this community's got to get paid somehow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Vitalik had an interesting an interesting point of view on that Mm -hmm. where he said were essentially that in 2010, even 2011, uh, Bitcoin might as well have been a pre-mine because nobody knew about it. And a lot of people got a whole hell of a lot of Bitcoins back then. Right. But uh, it wasn't like a list of people. No, no. Right. It wasn't specific people that, yeah. that, that, that got in on it. So, but that's when Anthony got up, you know, and, 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 and made his case. That's um, the thing that makes me nervous about, like, I understand they have to get paid. I understand there's a lot sure. of resources and work that, that has gone into this. I, I totally get that. And I sympathize with that. Um, it's just the idea of special different rules for certain people Mm -hmm. that I think with, especially with a technology like this, that's what you can't have. You, you can't have some people who don't have to follow the rules that everybody else has to follow. Yeah. I I think a lot of people that, that was like the number one question and, and a lot of people would not like drop that point. Yeah. They, 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 they kept, they really, they kept pushing it. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, and then, then, you know, these things need to be asked. Certainly. Oh, yeah. I'm really thankful for the people who do ask those questions. Yeah. Because this he, is not something I think people are go- just going to accept, like, right. unquestioningly, you know? No, right. I mean, and if Charles, Maybe it is inevitable. Maybe it's going to happen. But, you sure. know, questions are okay. Sure. And, I mean, you know, Charles Hoskinson's dream is obviously, uh, you know, pretty big as to where this can go. But uh, I think it's very important that if you're, you know, if you're thinking that big to, you know, you need to talk to critics. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and you need to answer them. Yep. If, if you're wanting it to be as, as large in scope as reengineering society, you, you've got to, you've got to answer these people. Yeah. You know, and they're not just being a pain in the ass. No, like, no, no. They're... A lot of times critics have really useful things to say and legit concerns. Absolutely. You know, that yeah. you can actually help benefit from addressing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, th- that said, um, 
again, I thought the Toronto conference, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, we were tired. I am prepared to not go to any other conferences. We'll be going to DC in yeah. the belt or, you know, Bitcoin in the belt. I think we're going to have to do a hard cap of like for a year or yeah, something. It's like, just, it's, it's too much. Yeah. It's, too much. Yeah. It's really, and, and it gets to the point where it might even be repetitive. Um, I, I, I actually admittedly, like I found it refreshing to have so much Ethereum there. I would have been, it was a different thing because than it Bitcoin. was something other than Bitcoin. <laughs> right, At least yeah. people were talking about the future, you know, and looking yeah. forward. And and it wasn't. This is the other nice thing too, as far as the talks go at Toronto. It was not about the status quo. Mm-hmm. It was about the future. Yeah, and that's so great. Uh, you know, and and it seems like Canada's being a big part of it. Um, I mean, they had Bitcoin Decentral there, which was uh, you know, kind of a um, a, a base of operations for Bitcoin in Canada and for, you know, hanging out and for Ethereum. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was nice. I will say it reminded me of a frat house because <laughs> when we were there, there were like 300 people yeah. all trying to cram into this house, you know, yeah. that, but that has right multiple the, levels. Yeah, but it's right in the middle of Toronto, you know, I mean, you can't beat the location. Yeah, it's it really does do something for a community. It's like mm-hmm. the CAC or the Quill, you know, like yeah, yeah. It, with the Free State Project. Like, it really does do something for the community to have an actual physical space where people can use it to have events or get, have meetings or whatever yeah whatever just they want to do yeah be able to go somewhere and say okay these people get bitcoin yeah it's a it's you a know? base yeah which i think is is really really cool um mm-hmm. so they had that in new york too we we went to the bitcoin what was it called like there was some bitcoin oh, the bitcoin center nyc something like that yeah yeah where they were go ahead that well that space i mean i don't know how Whoever was paying for that, I don't know how they afforded it. Oh, like, it was primo. It, it was a big space it, right in downtown Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right off of, um, I mean, like like right between, you know, Broadway and Broad. Yeah. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I, I yeah, don't know per- how they got that, but that was interesting. Yeah, pretty expensive spot. Um, it, was, it was a cool looking place. You that know? was like the biggest space we were in in New York City. Everything else was tiny compared to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was more like a Bitcoin showcase as to where I think Bitcoin Decentral kind of showed you a place where things could get developed. Yeah, and they Uh, did have a hackathon there, which maybe we should talk about that, because the winner of the hackathon was was Amir Taki's team, right? Oh, I I didn't recall. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they built a sort of like decentralized um, Silk Road type marketplace. Yeah, phenomenal. Inside In of, like okay, 48 yeah, hours. I remember like within like 30 hours they pulled this thing off. Yeah, you know, they that's had a incredible. time frame, but uh but they, they and it pulled was working. it off fast. It was working by the end of it. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely like I say, Toronto, the the Bitcoin Expo, that was as community mm. as you could get. Real yeah. stuff happening. Yep. Um and then that was I mean, it was just it was awesome. And a lot of people talking about side chains, which I'm not going to go we, we don't need to go into that right now, uh which is kind of the new big thing in Bitcoin um to where Bitcoin can essentially leap you know to other <laughs> to other blockchains. Yeah. Uh you know, or it, it can operate thing. on other blockchains. It's really really interesting uh stuff. Mastercoin had a good showing there too. I mean, it, it was really, again, you felt community and you felt the future happening. Um, more so even, I, I wish MadeSafe was there. Then it would have really been like complete. I agree. But that's up to MadeSafe, not up to Toronto. 
you know, not a, yeah, but people it, it was certainly there in spirit because people were talking about me made safe. Yeah, I, I, w- I was sure to, to talk about it quite a bit. You mm-hmm. know, I, I thought it was because it's such an exciting thing that's happening. So, yeah, uh, so that it was cool to have an opportunity to go there and see what it was like and learn about yeah. some new things. And um, I actually think I caught more talks at the Toronto conference than I have in a while. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Uh but yeah, I'm looking forward now to kind of taking a step back and just giving it a couple months and seeing what yeah. evolves over the summer in the Bitcoin world and the Bitcoin and beyond world, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, you know, Pork Fest is coming up. Of course, we always we enjoy Pork Fest. No need to do a wrap up show for Pork Fest. Uh, but we will talk about uh, we'll, we'll probably do a wrap up for Bitcoin in the Beltway. Uh, which that that should be just a, a fantastic time. Cool. Um, I'm I'm sure of that. So, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Stephanie? With uh, with Toronto? I do want to do a wrap up after Porkfest. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Then, Let's do it. Then then Sovereign Tech is always an open. I mean, you're the producer, so <laughs> what you want goes. <laughs> I wear the pants in the studio. Damn right. Because uh, <laughs> you don't wear not pants. for long, but <laughs> neither of us wear pants for long. That's uh, right. Anyway. Especially at home. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I think that's I think that's what I wanted to cover. Okay, you think of anything else? No, not not really. Um, I just you know after this, I'm just gonna you know we're gonna say goodbye and you know or t- to the end of the podcast. And I'm you know after this, you're gonna hear my uh, my fireside chat. Yeah. Um, which I you know again I do have a recording of the talk, but the audio was really really low. It's going to be available on YouTube. I wasn't that as of right now. I wasn't that impressed with my talk. And you put your so, Texas talk in the podcast too, so it was kind of similar to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is just matching up. You know, I'll make this a, a bit of a tradition. Um, so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Stephanie, thank you so much. Uh, I I thought I hope everybody got through all this because I thought there was a lot of really interesting info to come down and. and yeah. Yeah. It allows you to kind of have fun with uh, with Stephanie and I, which... Um, yeah, I think that's what people like about listening to us together. We got so many comments on our dynamic. Yeah, in fact, someone just recently said, I really love this. They said that um, if hell means sex, you know, science and technology and, uh, and Stephanie and Brian, then sign me up. I want to go to hell. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. and, I, and I, I, thought, I thought that was... Uh, that that was really great. Um, so <laughs> you really can you get higher praise? You know, <laughs> I think there's room in our handbasket, maybe for hell a in the handbasket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but Brian, you are such a great travel partner. I really enjoy going around to these things with you, and now I am about to enjoy some nice quality restful time at home with you so i'm really thankful for that i am (laughs) looking forward to that and of course after the talk uh or you know after the talk you're about to listen to keep your eye out for episode 70 i've got a (laughs) this one's loaded for bear i've I've been gone for a couple (laughs) weeks and and this one's ready to go uh you're i think you're really gonna like it so listen to that so again stephanie thank you so so much uh for 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 doing this with me uh boy how long did this go good couple hours Ooh, sure. we've been going for a long time yeah i mean you know I'm yeah we're right up right at the two hour right mark, about yeah. two hours so it's going to be about a you know two and a half hour business mm-hmm. all the way around but that's okay i mean i can go all night long uh, <laughs> <laughs> me too really <laughs> so uh carpe lucem and uh i'll see you in episode 70 and from here on out 
Okay, so this is the last interview. So um, the best for last. Yeah, the best for last. Brian Sovereign is from Free Talk Live, and uh, I've met you a few times now. The last time we met, I think, was in uh, Texas. Yeah, I think it was in Texas. Yeah. So, so uh, how have you been doing? What's, uh, what's going on in Bitcoin land for you? Uh, boy, these conferences. Maybe a little close. Yeah. These, uh, these conferences are getting a little tiresome. I don't know. I, I've heard other people say that, uh, that they just, there's so many of them. And I was actually just in New York uh, for an Inside Bitcoins conference. And boy, boy, that was annoying. This conference has actually been great. Uh, Austin was pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. So, but this is probably the best one I've been to. Um, because it, it really, you know, it really seems like the, the suits, as I call them, uh, or a lot of people are calling them. The suits are just just moving in, and yes, they have the money, they have all this, uh, but it, it really is frustrating because I think that you know Bitcoin is such maybe maybe almost like eBay, where it was just an idea nobody really had, you know, in the '90s. Uh, I understand comparing it to the internet. I get a little worried about comparing Bitcoin to the internet because you know it's like oh this is the internet in 1994, and it's like well you know there's a 2001 internet too that crashed. <laughs> and uh, you know it was a real problem, so I, you know I don't like to do that. But I mean, it is such a unique idea. It is such a forward-thinking idea. It has so much uh, behind it that to, to just keep trying to bring these people in that are are really just seeing, okay, how can we adapt this technology into uh, you know into the legacy system, meaning the system that we're already in? How can we adapt it into the status quo? Uh, it really just makes me sick, and I just you know I, I get so tired. This is a refreshing com- uh, you know conference, um, but uh, but by and large, so many of these are, and there's so many of them. And, and in fact, I often wonder like what what is exactly getting talked about at all of them? You know, I, you, you do have to wonder at times. So, but uh, but that's on my end. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, but I mean, you know, Bitcoin's growing. Of course, I also have a show uh, on the Let's Talk Bitcoin, which is now a network. It's not just a show. Mm-hmm. Um, course it's called sex and science hour and that's a lot of fun and that's interesting too because that, that that's a case where you are seeing that bitcoin is a lot more than just a technology but it really is showing everybody that you know we, we don't we don't need the convention or not i don't mean the convention like the toronto convention or the expo um i mean we don't need like conventionalism mm-hmm. we don't need any of this stuff anymore uh and, and that is just that part of it is so exciting but it just seems like we're kind of getting overrun by uh, by uh, by the money. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a there's there's a great quote from BC Next, who is the, the supposed creator of NXT, which is an altcoin that's uh, that really doesn't get enough press. Um, and he, his quote was just from from last week that you know uh, Bitcoin was an incredible invention, incredible innovation, and but the problem that happened is is it got overrun by people that wanted to make money. They wanted, but not bitcoins. They wanted to make dollars, mm-hmm. and I'm really seeing that. Uh, yeah. You know, not so much here, but uh, but I'm, I'm definitely seeing it. Yeah, it's funny because hand in hand with that conversation, uh, oh well, how much is Bitcoin worth? And like, oh, it's almost a point of uh, contention in the sense that it's like a sales point for Bitcoin. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you buy your Bitcoin now, it's four hundred dollars yeah. in enough time, it'll be worth you know ten thousand a coin or whatever the case is. But really, the true you know, ethical f- foundation, I would say, of most Bitcoin holders that actually believe in the technology is there is no cash out. It's right. Bitcoin all the way through, or crypto all the way through, whatever right, right. the case may be. Um, and I almost feel like it's detrimental to a certain degree teaching people that 
you know, Bitcoin is something that can help them raise their portfolio value if they cash out at the end of it, because it defeats yeah. the purpose, obviously. Um, yeah, and I agree with you that, that it, it makes me very frustrated to see that, um, you know, the traditional markets and the traditional financial structure and government structure and all of that kind of stuff has kind of taken the role of picking on Bitcoin as like the little kid that's growing up and they're sure, the yeah. right? When in time, the goal is to completely remove them from the equation. It's not how can we integrate, it's how can we, you know, stay yeah. sustainable until we don't need to. It's a great analogy because, I mean, you know, the way to raise a child is to let the child explore the world on its own and not to regulate it, not to, you know, quote unquote, legislate it. Yeah. Um, and really, that's what Bitcoin, that's how Bitcoin got to grow so well, I think, so fast, was because nobody was paying attention to it except for the people that were actually passionate about it. Um, and now you get all these people, uh, you know, coming in wanting regulation. They, you know, they want it to be controlled when they're missing the point that, no, it's, it's so solid now, uh, the technology's solid anyway, mm -hmm. that, and that's because no one touched it. You know, like it, it was untouched by laws and by governments. So and, and, and that's the other part with a lot of these uh, a lot of these conventions too that are that are getting annoying is just everybody, even people uh, who I, I think would be against government regulation are just coming out and saying, well, regulation's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't avoid it, so you might as well work with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, I've, I've heard it here. Uh, I mean, I, I think governments are going to fall apart. You know, as well. So the regulation doesn't even matter. It's not a matter of oh, it's going to come no matter what. It's not going to play a part because there's not going to be anything here to enforce it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a beautiful thing, you know. And, and Bitcoin creates that, or cryptocurrencies, uh, crypto platforms, whatever, create that infrastructure that I think shows people you don't need it. You know, there I, I, there was a story I heard from a friend who uh, who holds a, a Bitcoin meetup in Philadelphia, and he said. Uh, this guy just walks up to him, you know, at, at, after attending a few of these Bitcoin meetups, and he just says, you know what? It's like, after thinking about this whole Bitcoin thing, I don't think we need the Federal Reserve anymore. <laughs> and I was, I was like, well, right, yeah. You know, I heard that, and I thought that was so beautiful, because people will see this, that, no, you know, you don't need, you know, you don't need a nanny. You don't need people looking over you. Mm -hmm. It can just do it, you know, the tech can do it on its own. Yeah. So it's it's really refreshing, but that's not to say that Bitcoin itself. And I don't mean, and when I say Bitcoin, I mean really capital B Bitcoin uh, doesn't have its own issues. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's plenty of those because, uh, namely, the Bitcoin Foundation in and of itself. Uh, because what you have is a centralized body trying to, uh, you know, maybe privately legislate or regulate something that is supposed to be decentralized. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a you know that's a problem. I mean that that that's like. Um, you know, you have uh, a quote I heard from someone else was that, uh, you know, you're trying to like build trust companies. This is because this is what happening. Again, a lot of Bitcoin companies that are coming out are just trying to bring the legacy system in, the status quo of finance into Bitcoin. Uh, you have, you know, you have these trust companies coming in on top of something that's trustless. Mm -hmm. You know, that's ridiculous. And so I feel like the Bitcoin Foundation uh, is trying to centralize something that is not designed to be centralized. But to be fair, and, and while I share the same sentiment, I sure. kind of feel like it's an exercise in futility. I mean, it's no secret that the Bitcoin Foundation has not really been doing anything, in my opinion at least. I mean, we've seen outreach to like public communities, but in my mind, the way that I kind of position the Bitcoin Foundation is, it's kind of like a small set of stairs to help people get onto Bitcoin, 
But if changes are needed in the actual protocol layer and stuff, that little body is not going to stop them from taking place. Well, the thing is, they do pay the. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but they do pay the the developers. I mean, like, mm -hmm. like as, as I understand it, they have a degree of control of the developers, um, and that's that's a concern. And those and the developers have. There's there's been a cases here and there where they will do things, you know, without any kind of democratic process. Not that I'm a fan necessarily of democratic processes. Uh, but they'll just do it because they think it's a good idea, and, and they won't listen to the community on the matter. Um, so, yeah, I I understand what you're saying, um, but I mean, also, you know, to to that end, there's alternative developer groups out there who are doing things out of their own self-interest. Uh, like there's a group Coin Voice. Mm -hmm. um, they wrote they wrote you know pretty much their own Bitcoin client in in the Go language, and the code smokes. What, what the Bitcoin Foundation or what the Bitcoin core team is developing. And, and, and no one's talking to these guys and saying, hey, you know, wow, maybe we should have them developing for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so I worry that, that there's someone that, that, again, I still feel like there's somebody that's trying to control something that was never meant to be controlled in any way, be it honestly, be it, uh, you know, uh, privately or even, uh, you know, or of course, uh, public, you know, federally. So how do we go from modifying well, let me ask two questions. Sure. Do you feel that the Bitcoin code is secure enough to not be amended moving forward in the future? Uh, not necessarily secure, but w would you agree it needs to be amended at certain points? Yeah, I, I think it, yes. So how do we do that in a decentralized way? In a decent, well, actually, that becomes the question is that is Bitcoin the end-all, be-all? Is that what we should be, you know, is, is that the future? A lot of people ask that question too. Like, you know, is 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 Bitcoin the one? Maybe it isn't. Um, I mean, one system you can look at is like MadeSafe, where this is a truly decentralized, like in every single way you could possibly imagine, this is a truly decentralized system um, that you know you don't even have to have a complete blockchain. You know, you just got to have a bunch of people agreeing to to use it. Um, as far as how to how to pay those people, I think. You know, other people have talked about uh, where bitcoins can be, or the blockchain can have a voting system, and maybe that voting system is how that could be done. Mm -hmm. Is that essentially, you know, have have the community literally decide, uh, you know, what they think works best? Might that slow it down a little bit? There's a possibility there, but frankly, the the features that we've, other than the side loading thing, which kind of came out of nowhere. Um, the features that, that we've been promised for quite some time by the core development team for Bitcoin, uh, it's taken years to get them. And in, you know, in the software world, years is an eternity. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, when you take, when you look at things like a, like a Ethereum, or maybe that's not the best example, or like NXT, or take your pick, you know, this stuff developed entire infrastructures inside of a couple months. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, so to say like simple, simple examples of things that can be done with Bitcoin that, you know, features that could be added for it to take Two, three years. Oh no, no, no! There's a problem there, mm -hmm. and you know I don't want to get conspiratorial, but I, I do wonder why sometimes it's it's that slowed down. So I guess my point is is that yeah, there's a way that that should be done completely decentralized, but even the way that it is now, the features that have been asked for and have actually been promised to the Bitcoin community haven't been put in with it in the current infrastructure that it exists. So let's change pace for a second. Sure. I, I agree with you, but I'm curious because we all have to exist in the real world as well as in our that, online personas. Yep. Um, you're involved with a number of movements that are pro freedom. Yes. Let's call them, and that's Free Talk Live. Yep. Um, the uh, Free State Project yep. is another. How do you 
I mean, you're obviously involved in Bitcoin as well, yes? Yes. How do you take your stance in the wake of the recent regulations with taxes and declaring it as a property? Um, I mean, we, I'm holding. Right. I don't agree with the system. I don't want to be complicit in that system. Right. But I have to exist in the real world. Okay, well, with, with that ruling, I actually, this is something I've given a lot of thought about, because I think that ruling is actually is not designed against the individual, mm -hmm. which, ironically, are the people that are the most afraid of it. Mm -hmm. um, this is, the, you know, calling it property was specifically, I think, designed to force companies, you know, Bitcoin companies, to work within the law, work within the law in a certain way. So they don't, the government doesn't have, any government around the world just doesn't have the manpower to enforce that kind of, you know, whatever kind of tax um, on, on people, you know, with Bitcoin. And I mean, it, it was, and, and every, there was a collective, when that, when that ruling came out, there was a collective laugh, too, mm -hmm. you know, albeit somewhat fearful. There was a collective laugh in the Bitcoin community because it's like, how could they ever enforce this? And they can't. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way. So, so the purpose of that um, is, is mainly to, to go after companies. Um, now, dealing in the real world, which we do, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still pay taxes. You know, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to, you know, I don't want a gun put to my head, which is at the end of the day, that's exactly what happens. Um, but uh, again, I think they are looking at, they're, they're so backwards. They, they, don't, they don't even know, the, the government of the world, they don't even know how to deal with something coming from the ground up. That's why they don't know how to deal with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they know how to deal with individuals that have... Uh, this this mindset that you know no I'm just I'm going to hold on to my bitcoins and I'm not going to tell you anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I they can't react to that. They know how to react to companies. Uh, they know very very well how to deal with them. And again, that's what I think that 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 ruling has to do with. Mm -hmm. So, is crypto going to become an unstoppable force that eventually transcends taxes and? Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think it's going to, one way or the other, may, maybe not even positive, one way or another, it's going to eliminate the need for what we understand of as legislative bodies. Uh, but, of course, it, it, you know, the, getting rid of the, you know, the tyranny of the gun or the, the, the tyranny of, of law might bring on the tyranny of the code. And, and that's a real concern uh, that I have, that, uh, you know, I, I love the optimism for technology, the techno-optimism as it's, as it's coined. Um, I really, really appreciate that. But we do got to, it's important to understand these things, and especially a lot of people. This is still early on, you know, in, in Bitcoin's future and crypto's future. And uh, I think it's pretty important for, for people to learn as much about the technology as they can mm -hmm. um, to, to really, you know, to really make informed decisions on, hey, you know, is this, is this going to go? Because, I mean, I've heard talks for some, some al alternative currencies or alternative platforms where they're pretty much just saying, oh, trust us. Yeah. You know, and, and I get it. Like, it's cool that you're coming out with a great product. But no, I, this is the point, is that last time we trusted people, we ended up with wars around the world and you know, all this other nonsense. Yeah. So I think crypto, certainly it's the future. But uh, just like anything else, there's a chance it could be a bad one. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm open to that. In fact, as a side note, I think The Tyranny of the Code would be an excellent book title to sure. flesh this concept out in, in more detail. But w what kind of future is that in a sense where... What do you mean by the tyranny of the code? Because I'm with you that the changes won't necessarily all be positive, and we may lock ourselves into algorithms that mm -hmm. we have to follow. Um, I'm just curious if you could flesh it out a bit. Sure. Um, well, I mean, there's some people that have talked about, they've, they've theorized on what exactly they want out of this stuff. Uh, there's a guy, Gary Lachance, who wrote, uh, wrote a, a treatise called Privacy is the Enemy, and he talks about this completely transparent society where, you know, everything is known by everyone. 
And in some ways, it sounds like a very, very safe society, you know, but then also you really don't have much in the way of privacy, and you don't have, I mean, you know, one, I don't want to get into, like, the metaphysics of, you know, are there rights and, you know, all this stuff, but, uh, you know, that's, not, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we, you know, we could end up with Skynet. We could end up with, um, uh, you know, a system where, well, you're not, you know, you could be logged um, to you're not producing enough. Uh, or you take a story by like Harlan Ellison, uh, where he wrote to "Repent Harlequin," said the TikTok man, where if you're two minutes late, you get time docked off your life. Mm-hmm. You know that the like that that society is so regulated by the code. The code says you got to be here at this time, this time, this time, uh, and you can only use this much resources. Um, you know that that it, it could end up almost literally killing us uh, if we don't follow the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 so. I don't know if that fleshes it out exactly. No, no, no. It's it's interesting. In fact, there's a lot of, and not to get into the conspiracy side of things, but there's sure. a lot of people that look at, you're wearing the t-shirt, of course, Oh, um, that look at Bitcoin and global monetary systems as a type of new world order. And it yeah. is in the sense that it has radical reform capabilities, though it's not controlled by anybody, or is it, in that sense, right? I mean, it uses you well, know, cryptographic principles that we're right. not... 100%. Well, th- this is a concern. I mean, because Bitcoin does have a huge Achilles heel be- besides the decentralization aspects of it. Uh, and that Achilles heel is, um, you know, where, where some of these mining pools could literally tear down the entire uh, network, you know, 51% attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, there's, there's cryptocurrencies that have come out that have solved that. Um, but, uh, but you know, Bitcoin is still the, the big daddy. And... Uh, you know, these people aren't doing 51% attacks. Really, yes, you could say it's self-interest, but I, I have an argument against that. But they're doing it, quite frankly, just out of, you know, supposedly their own goodwill. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time believing that. I mean, you know, humans, mathematics can't solve the logic of humanity. Uh, there's just no way. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm concerned about that. I, you know, I, it's one of the things I like to joke about because there's a lot of uh, people of the Christian persuasion that are like, oh yeah, this is the mark of the beast because guess what, if you didn't have an internet connection, which is essentially what Bitcoin runs on, uh, you know, you can't buy or sell. And so like, oh, here it is, the mark of the beast, this is the whole shtick, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into the biblical translations, that's pretty much nonsense, um, but, uh, but it is interesting, I guess, that, that the book of Revelation said that there would be one world economy, not one world government, but one world economy, which is what Bitcoin would seem to be leading us towards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's, an, that's an, interesting, an interesting point to bring up, and, I, you know, I have real concerns about that. Uh, in that, you know, before there was so much monetary regulation, say like 1913, if you want to toss out a date, uh, you know, like maybe when the Federal Reserve was created, uh, we did have thousands of currencies. I mean, thousands. You know, now we're nowhere near that number. It's, uh, you know, it's probably under 100. Um, so it, it's an ironic thing that, and, and there's a lot of people in the Bitcoin space that want to say that no, and, and in the economic space, that will say, oh yeah, everything's going to coalesce to Bitcoin no matter what. And like this, the sidechain thing mm-hmm. uh, is saying everything's going to coalesce to Bitcoin. Um, I think history tells a different story. And now you want to move on from history. The point of history, uh, you know, is, is not to mimic it. Mm-hmm. It's not to copy it. Uh, it's not a blueprint. It's to keep from, it's, it's to avoid from, from falling back into it. But you do see patterns. And it seems like the patterns is, is that when there is not regulation or less regulation, you actually have a multitude 
of uh, of currencies, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I think the you know the altcoins and all that stuff. I think that's that's fantastic, and that may be kind of the saving grace from what you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, to where there there would be this uh, you know one world economy. Yeah, well, I think that even cryptography, or rather uh, cryptographic principles, might you know designate the channels that that uh, economy flows through in a sense, but altcoins represent like an evolution model. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you have an open ecosystem, you don't get the same product. You get animals, grass, trees, right, right. snails, all that jazz, right. and it works together in a unison. And I think that that's what we're starting to see in crypto. Um, and so that's fantastic. Um, I'm just so completely, utterly unsure of how it's going to play out. I can't even fathom what the next 10 years are going to look like, you know? It's, yeah, I, it's really I agree. Strange. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but I think it's important to let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Because, when you, again, when you try and control these things, you end up stifling everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, if, if the regulators do have their way for a short period of time with Bitcoin, we're going to see. Is that, uh, the, or even not e- without the regulators? Like I said, the Bitcoin Foundation, uh, maybe not the foundation itself, but the core development team is holding everything up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and this happens with uh, big software companies. Not to say that that Bitcoin, you know, the core dev team is a big software company, but uh, but they're acting like one. Mm-hmm. You know, and and even even their attitude of like you know bringing stuff in and sideloading and all that. That's this is all embrace and extend. This is stuff that Microsoft did, you know, 30 years ago. That we're still feeling the effects of being held up by mm-hmm. um, in, in the computer world. I mean, I can't even imagine, if Microsoft Office never became the monolith that it was, uh, I can't imagine where we, what computers would look like now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it'd be really fascinating. But you raise a great point, because even the internet, we, you know, we don't, like when Gutenberg, uh, this is gonna sound cliche, but you know, when Gutenberg did the, uh, you know, made the printing press, he had no clue what he was doing. I mean, he didn't know the, the rampant freedom that he would bring on to the world just because of the freedom of information over the next you know few hundred years he had no idea uh, how it would take shape um, in fact because that's what directly you know arguably can be said led to the internet down the line mm-hmm. um, the internet we don't know how that's going to take shape I mean the, the internet is, is such a child right now uh, in that you know it, it's it's so immature because like websites are just meant to look like newspapers uh, you know, advertising is still the order of the day on how to make money. And I'm an ad exec. I'm not against advertising per se. I'm just saying that we haven't really taken advantage of what these, of what the internet itself can do. So yeah, there's no way we can really know what blockchain technology, what Bitcoin, and all that's going to look like. Because again, the internet, we still don't know how that's going to shape us. Uh, because none of this is normal. You know, you know that, that's that's another thing people forget is that a lot of the, what we consider normal, sitting in this, sitting in a ballroom like this, is, is something that's only been done for the past hundred years. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's in the grand scheme of time, even for human history. You know, how, however far back you want to go with that, but let's say six thousand years, that's a pretty small period of time. You can't call that normal. Mm-hmm. And yet, so many, you know, each generation, each generation, every successive generation wants to say that, oh. Uh, you know, this is uh, you know th- this is how things should be. You know, it's just like your you know your grandmother telling you, I used to walk 12 miles to school. You know, all all this stuff. Uh, you know, we 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 can't say what's normal. Smartphones are out of nowhere now. Nobody knows what it's like to even be without them. But they've only been around. Smartphones themselves. I mean, yeah, you had the Palm Pilot and whatever. Really, let's let's just say it's six, five six years. You know, yeah. the uh, the iPhone yeah. hasn't been around long, but now it's already quote unquote normal. But in mm-hmm. the grand scheme, not normal at all. Something else can come around that you know that can just change all that. So yeah, it, it's anybody that really tries to gauge what it's going to look like. 
uh, is probably a bit of a fool's errand, but it's exciting yeah. to think about and just be informed and cautious. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and pay attention. Always pay attention. To what's mm-hmm. going on. Well, from a liberty perspective, I like the idea that uh, I often when I'm trying to talk about transhumanism, sure. I, I say that Twitter, which is even you know a rudimentary form of messaging, uh, if it was installed in the way of a chip in your head, for example, that makes the species telepathic in a sense. Yes. If you could attach a currency to that, what you could think could become funded. In sure. other words, you create with your mind through the flow of money, and that's tremendously empowering when taken from that perspective. But then you've got other powers that you know are invested interests against that kind of idea, and how would they use the technology? And it gets really, really interesting. But yeah, you know that's that's a good point to bring up. I mean, certainly, like I feel I've made this argument often. You know, smartphones really do make you transhuman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're communicating with people all across the world. I mean, that's not something humanity can normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's good or bad is you know up, up to a person's own uh, theory of value, I suppose. But um, you know, in, in being transhuman, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a little concerned because I almost don't, and, and I'm a huge technology fan, obviously, but I'm concerned that when you have control structures like, um, you know, like governments or maybe even, you know, dev teams that you don't have a say in, uh, I'm very concerned in, in new technologies because, you know, who really controls the switch? You know, mm-hmm. who can pull the plug, if a plug can even be pulled. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That, and what that, happens when you do pull it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, so that, that's, a, that's a, real, a real worry. But as exciting as it is to, like, think about how, oh, yeah, you know, like how Twitter makes you transhuman and, and, and all of that. Uh, this is another reason why I think hand-in-hand, uh, hand, you know, Bitcoin and uh, anarchy or libertarianism, you know, pick your word. Mm-hmm. They, they really do need to work hand in hand because these control structures uh, are really, you know, Bitcoin is showing you don't need them, and that's it. It's showing you you don't need them, so they need to go. Mm-hmm. As, you know, the more Bitcoin gets adoption, these things need to fall away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't, you know, you're, you're not going to have what it, what it really has. And it's interesting, too, because, like, one of the last times we heard from Satoshi Nakamoto was uh, he, he, Gavin Andreessen emailed him. And Gavin, uh, you know, it was a couple of years ago, whatever. And Gavin said, "Yeah, you know, I want to take this Bitcoin thing. I want to, I want to make it more mainstream. I wanted to get away from this whole black flag anarchist uh, attitude and all that." And then suddenly Satoshi just never replies mm-hmm. and disappears. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the last we hear from him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I wonder, is uh, you know, did, did was were those things was anarchy and Bitcoin really hand in hand? And that's what Satoshi wanted. And uh, and then when somebody you know, decided to go against that. He's just like, okay, I'm going to have to go figure out, you know, figure out something else. So interesting. That's yeah. an interesting perspective. Sure. Well, time will tell, right? He's out there. She's out there. They're yeah, out there. Yeah, he, she, they, whatever it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> who, yeah. who knows? It, it's the first AI yeah. that's yeah, 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 invented, invented six years ago or whatever. Yeah, maybe IBM uh, came up with uh, what's Watson. Yeah, came they, up with they Bitcoin. Threw it in the garbage. Yeah. Found a way home to someplace. Plugged in. I'm open to that. Bitcoin. Uh, so, any questions? Go ahead. You mentioned earlier that you, you seem to be kind of a fan of Maxwell. Sure. Can you talk a little bit about what you... I mean, I know it's obviously got a more green sort of implementation. Because of proof uh, of stake. 99.9% may work like Bitcoin. Right. Um, just talk a little bit about what but you think for the future is worthwhile. For next? Okay, uh, well, next, like, again, and thank you for asking that, because like I said, it, it's not something that gets talked about enough. Um, next, 
just to give it its quick history, it's only been around since like November of last year, and it already has, uh, it can already do most of like what Ethereum and BitShares uh, and pretty much any, any Bitcoin 2.0 or platform that, you know, that, that people talk about, it can already do all of it. It's already there, it's amazing. Um, and people are, they question it because of the proof of stake, that's why it's green like you mentioned, uh, where you know, there's no mining involved. Uh, and, and that's, that's you know, I, I'm into green technology because it's efficient and I like efficiency. Um, but uh, that it's, it raises a good question because like a lot of people say that, well, the Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin isn't green because you have to do all this mining. It's like, well, you know, printing paper money isn't green. I mean, this stuff's made all out of cotton and everything. But it doesn't even compare. The Bitcoin mining operation doesn't compare to, to the damage to the environment that, uh, that that Federal Reserve and whoever, you know, whatever banks around the world are, are causing. Um, so as far as the future with Next, again, it just doesn't have the marketing machine. It has all the technical abilities. It has all the technology built into it. Um, you know, to some degree, it's pre-mined, but not really. Uh, it uses what's called transparent forging, um, and, and it's 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 really interesting. And it can do actually, it can do everything that Namecoin does, where it, it has it, you can build websites within it. Uh, there, there's it doesn't seem like there's much it cannot do. People are building MMO, uh, you know, uh, video games within it within the you know the, the essentially the blockchain. That's not exactly an accurate term to use for next. Uh, it's I think it's very secure because every wallet in NXT is a brain wallet. Um, and some people like that, I love it. I think that's a fantastic thing. Pretty much any device I go to, I can log in and, and they have wallets for iOS. Where's Bitcoin on that? You know, I mean, they, they have wallets on iOS, they have wallets on Android, all this stuff, all inside of like five, six months, they have an entire infrastructure, nobody's using it. What's their URL? I'm sorry? What's their URL, the website? Uh, I think it's uh, next crypt NXT. It's not they, they pronounce it next, but there's no e. It's nxtcrypto.org. I believe is is where you can check them out. So as far as the future with them, uh, BC Next, the creators walked away as of last week, and he says whatever happens happens with it. Uh, so unfortunately, I don't see a. It has it has every reason to to have a grand future, but the marketing's just not there. Do you know what he has moved to? He, in his own words, he said that he will be back and he will not be anonymous and he will have another project uh, that, that will pretty much beat out NXT, but maybe it's something that will be built on top of NXT. So even his outlook is kind of dire, unfortunately. That was kind of my question, but I'm interested in the sense that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto remained anonymous with Bitcoin. We see next at this point has done the same mm -hmm. next and you have these other 2.0 platforms that are, you know, very much not. Um, I just like your thoughts on that. Well, it raises the question with 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 Next, with NXT, is did they remain anonymous as to try and copy a what is what isn't a marketing scheme for Bitcoin, but what essentially could be used as a marketing scheme by having this mysterious figure behind it? Um, did is that why Next did the whole BC Next thing? And, and there's, there's like 70 developers, which that's really clever because like you know that kind of reminds you of the Septuagint, which uh, had 70 translators. That's, that's a Greek translation of the Torah. It had 70 translators and all that. So there might be like a very carefully crafted story behind the creation of Next. Um, as far as people being out in front. Uh, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways. I'd rather they be anonymous uh, because the people that aren't anonymous often come off as pretty pompous 
and they don't have a whole lot to really show. Like if, if the next developers, if BC Next was a really pompous guy, even in just even in being anonymous and typing out his you know and writing out what he writes, uh, I'd be pretty annoyed because hey, look, man, if it was so great, people you know would there, there'd be a lot more behind it, um, and and there isn't. So uh, yeah, I, I worry about figureheads. Um, I mean, like you look at something like you know Apple's really still still doing great work. Uh, but everybody looks down on it because Steve Jobs is gone, you know. So having a figurehead is is a double-edged sword, uh, I I think. And uh, if you could keep the person anonymous, they're kind of always alive, right? Or it was Satoshi again. Might have been Satoshi. I'm actually I'm very open to that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, and thank you, Brian. Yeah, it was a pleasure. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds. Nerds.